0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode number eighty-five of the Whatever Show. We have all kinds of good stuff to talk about this week.
1: I- I'd say this is going to be a good show. It is. Um, we're probably going to cry a little bit. So and, and people just keep dying. They just and it keeps being sad. They do. And somebody died last week that that died like three days before. Yeah, we didn't uh, even talk about it. And, and, it's and kind the, of a and it's kind of a big deal, especially like lately. Uh, if you're a, uh, agent of Shield. Yeah. Fan. Yeah. So, definitely. Uh, not unimportant, so we're going to talk about that a little bit. We're going to talk some video game news. We're going to talk some tech news. Um, we've got some cool Marvel stuff happening. Oh, dude, lots of Marvel stuff. We um, watched a couple season finales. We did. Arrow, The Flash, they had their season finales this last mm-hmm. week. We watched both of them. I think we have very positive things to say, probably, for the most part. I might surprise you on some of those things. Yeah, Okay, <laughs> <'Cause>... <laughs> that'll be fun. Um,
0: and we finally long time in coming for this one folks uh probably a good two months now we've been saying we're going to continue our classic match series rewatch, and we finally got to it this week uh, we watched uh wrestlemania was it 18 17 17 17 this is of course Eddie's not good at roman numerals no stone cold steve austin versus the rock uh it is a big big glorious match and we're going to talk about it uh, uh here in a few All right, so let's open it up with our sad news. We'll drink to that and then try to get through it and hopefully everybody will still be okay
1: to do the rest of the show. Yeah. If not, it'll just evolve into a puddle of man tears and everybody will mock us, but whatever. <laughs> so as we record this, this is actually news that broke today and that is that um Southern Rock Legends... uh greg allman uh has died at the age of 69 um he's been uh having liver troubles for the last couple of years anyway i don't know that this is necessarily a huge shock um but it is kind of a big blow for people that 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 enjoy the more southern style bluesy aspects of of rock and roll um pretty successful career with the allman brothers band and then he went solo later on um just as greg allman and 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 did well on that front as well so um we're we're not going to really preen on about Greg Allman quite as as much as we did Chris Cornell, but it is it is. Yeah, news. I was
0: telling Matt before we started the show. I I'm really not familiar with Allman much at all. Like I know the Allman Brothers, I know you know the Southern Rock thing. I'm sure if I were to listen to any of these things, I would remember them and, and you know be fine. But it's not really anything that I really ever got into for any particular reason. So I I don't have a lot to say other than that that sucks. Yeah, it happened. Yeah, it's a thing. It's a thing that is, exists in this world um the other thing that happened the last week we, t- we spent a lot of the time talking about chris cornell last week on the show um because that was obviously a, a, i think a formative artist for both of us um but the, a, the same week actually a few days before chris cornell died um also a, a gentleman by the name of powers
1: booth um he, he passed away as well and so uh a huge character actor has been he's been in i don't remember how many movies since 1977 he's been acting dude, yeah you you it- may not recognize the
0: name um but you will definitely recognize the man he's played in a lot a lot of stuff uh most recently the thing that'll probably be uh most near and dear to our nerd hearts is uh agents of the shield he played uh yeah, fuck is what is his fucking name um gallic Gaelic? get Gale- i want to say something like that um you're mostly right Jeez, it, it's, a, it's a g it's a g i can't remember gideon gideon malik, gideon malik. Ah, yep. yeah i just i just smushed them together um gideon malik he played gideon malik of course who was one of the, one of the hydra yeah kind of the hydra top dog um yeah you know until actual hydra came along so
1: yeah um he was first introduced to the marvel universe in the avengers he played um i i'm positive he was the same character they just didn't have a name but he was one of the world security council members yeah i'm, um, I'm sure you're right and avengers marvel's pretty uh stingy about that like once you're one person in the universe that like that's who you are so yep Um, I'll no guarantee that that that's going to be who he was. He was just an unnamed character previously. He was vice president and president Noah Daniels uh, from the 24 uh, series. And then the movie that actually uh, stands out to me as, as how I came to know powers booth as an actor uh, was actually tombstone. He played curly bill. Oh Um, yeah. And that was, that was, I mean, he did such a fucking good job in that, in that role. And, um, and for those of you who may like Nicholas Cage movies, he also played Officer at leaving ceremony in Con Air. <laughs> <laughs> I remember yeah. that
0: uh, he was a dick in that. I think that was the thing about that, and that's why I, that was so funny. Yeah,
1: no, uh, but Curly Bill is is probably the role that I that I will always associate Power with, with um, because it was he was fantastic. I mean, just. I, <laughs> Have you have you watched Tombstone enough to like really know parts of it? Not super well. I haven't seen Tombstone in a really long time. There was um after one of uh Kurt Russell's brothers got shot in the movie, uh, and he's leaving town, he's walking past Curly Bill and he's just kind of sitting there doing his thing, like whittling or whatever yeah. you know, those cowboys did. And uh and Kurt Russell looks down at him, and he's like, I just want you to know it's over. And like Curly Bill looks at him and goes, Well, bye. Yeah. <laughs> just just a total fucking dick. Uh so. yeah. He's a, he's
0: a good actor, man. I um it's it's the, the world is a sadder place for not having him in it, I think.
1: Yeah, I mean well I mean and just within a matter of weeks, I mean we lose him and then we lose um um uh, his name escapes me right now, but the guy that was in uh Tusk in uh Red State Oh and, Michael uh, Parks. Yeah, Michael Parks. Yeah. Um which I just listened to Babylon, uh where where they did his
0: eulogy of sorts yeah
1: Yeah, kev kev didn't make it through neither one of them actually because i guess um when they when they were filming uh was it red state yeah well i mean they were they were on set no when they were filming tusk when they were filming tusk garmin came out to do his little piece of tusk yeah that he was in and they didn't have any scenes together so they didn't really know each other or like see each other that well or that often through the filming and i guess park's um made it a point to come by his room and hang out with him and then when garmin was getting ready to fly back out uh to go back to los angeles uh michael parks intercepted him leaving his hotel room and said i'm not gonna let you leave without buying you breakfast and took him out to breakfast and oh that's uh, awesome yeah and garmin at the time was a cigarette smoker too and so was michael parks and so they like when they were filming together on other movies and stuff they they would make it a point to go out and 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 smoke smoke together and, and whatever uh so both of them got pretty choked up during during the their send-off for Michael Parks. Yeah, see
0: that's interesting to me because uh Kev kind of drops air cries at the drop of a hat um which don't get me wrong I'm not criticizing or anything like that but um Garmin I wouldn't necessarily. Gar- so Gar- uh, Garmin's
1: a little bit more uh
0: leathery. So yeah, speak. pretty much. Like Garmin between the two of them, like I just, I'd see him being like uh, a little bit more of like your traditional sort of like masculine, you know, guys, guys, sort of like he's
1: never going to cry about anything sort of thing. Well, interesting story. And this is not my story. It's Kevin's story, but I'll, I'll, I'll tell it to our listener. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, when they first started filming Tusk, uh, Justin Long had a really hard time connecting with Parks. Uh, I mean, he tried a lot and Parks just kind of wasn't receptive to it and uh whatnot and so like he and kevin talked about some things some different things and then there was one particular scene where justin was kind of going over how he was going to do this particular piece of it it was when he woke up and found out his leg was gone yeah and uh and uh so we did it and and michael parks was like laughing like audibly laughing at it and like so when they broke after that like he um kevin pulled justin to the side and he goes so we're going to do another scene and I, he goes, and I want you to put as much into it as you did in that one particular scene. Just, just keep doing that and whatnot. And eventually the two of them hit it off and and became really good friends having smoke breaks together like him and Garmin did and stuff like that. And um, interestingly enough, after filming was over, one of parks, sons called Kevin and said, look, I didn't say anything beforehand. um, But dad had a really, really serious medical issue happen shortly before the filming. Like he had a stroke and he was not doing well. Like things weren't coming out right. Um, he didn't know how to communicate shit properly. And, but the one thing that came out clearly anytime was that he wanted to do this movie. So we shipped him out and hope for the best. And he, and he said, when we, when he came back, he was our dad again. So that whole thing with him, not connecting with Justin Long and all that kind of stuff wasn't because of a personal issue. He was just fucked up. Well, from the stroke and whatnot. And Kevin's, the only thing he can think of is like having to memorize all the dialogue and things like that helped his brain, like get back into like a a, a normal work familiarity. Yeah. 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 And he never told the rest of the cast that until after he passed away, he, after they found out Michael Parks had passed, they, he called the rest of the cast and, and talked to them. About wow. That's crazy that story. So um, we were talked about Michael Parks, but anyway, it's, yeah, that's a good, that's a follow up story. I, we didn't talk yeah. about
0: that in the show, and and, and that's super interesting, uh, I think, to hear now, especially because you know if you're if you're Justin Long, you're probably thinking the whole time like you know what do I got to do? Um, and so I, I imagine that was probably a little bit validating for him at the the, the end of that. So
1: yeah, he, he also talks a little bit about um, him and Parks going to Quentin Tarantino's house and like watching um, a movie that that uh, Kevin and I forget which movie it was. It might have been Red State or whatever. I don't remember. Yeah. But like they screened it at Quentin's house. And then, um, Quentin, Quentin is, is how Kevin discovered Michael Parks. Cause he was in, um, from Dustle Dawn. He was the preacher at the beginning yeah, of the movie. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, Quentin, I guess, has these two, like VHS tapes, basically, that are some of the shittiest movies, like, known to man. But they all have Michael Parks in them. And so he just, like, cut the Michael Parks parts out of all these movies and, like, made these VHS tapes just, just, and, and showed them. To Parks, just to show him, like, this is why I'm a fan of yours. This is why I put you in my shit. This is what, you know, yeah, kind of thing. And, like, Kevin just talks about, like, watching the two of them interact together. And, like, Michael Parks sitting there watching all of the stuff that he did and just absorbing, like, every bit of it is why he was. That's why the first time he ever saw him in a a Quentin Tarantino movie, like, he wanted to work with him. He's like, what? Like, I guess he, he talked to Mosher at one point and was like, what would it be like to work with a guy like that? Yeah, kind of a thing, and he and he got to do that, you know, before everything's all over. So, um, anyway, so that's a long winded way of saying, yeah, Powers Booth passed away the same way Chris Cornell did. <laughs> um, and it's see, we just we just it's a thing we just can't stay on topic. No, it's well because we did like within like two weeks' time we lost both Powers Booth and Michael Parks, which were huge character actors. Like, oh, they just,
0: definitely definitely were. You a mean, prolific like you, you you will probably recognize them or certainly
1: recognize something that they've been in uh, um but you won't know the names nobody will know the names the the clip they played at, um, on babylon for his send-off was was from red state and it was toward the end of the movie when michael parks's character the the old preacher confronts john goodman outside of the compound uh-huh. and he gives a speech about fire and brimstone and come on preacher shoot me shoot
0: me you know
1: <laughs> and that that whole fucking scene It it like watch red state like if yeah, if you want to know what we're talking about with Michael Parks, like that particular movie, watch it because I can't. I I personally don't hate Tusk. A lot of people hated Tusk. Um, it can't isn't, call myself a fan. I don't. I don't nah. It's not the kind of movie I choose to watch at all times. But I do think it's important because I know the guy that directed it. I mean, not personally, but I mean, I know his work. And you so
0: know, I'll actually go further than that and say, I don't really like Tusk, even though I like parts of it. Like there are parts of that movie that are really, really grand. And I would say Michael parks is, is probably the biggest part that I, that uh, um other, other than uh, Michael parks and Johnny Depp really kind of stole that movie for me. And then the whole rest of the premise was like, I just, I wish they'd gone with something else to put
1: this, this, this talent together. But the, the scene from that movie that stands out for me with Michael parks is, when Johnny Depp as oh yeah for sure when he's telling his flashback story about the time he almost caught him and he's playing the the simple-minded um hockey coach's (laughs) assistant god damn it like it's so good so good so good
0: yeah all right uh last up we're gonna talk a little bit more about Chris Cornell
1: we are um I two reasons I put this back in the show uh this week one um I read your blog which I've been trying to write for two weeks and just I when I sit down and actually like physically try and write shit, like bad things happen sometimes. Cause I like, get, I, I can't stay on topic when I'm writing a blog any more than I can when I'm on the show, but at yeah. least like when I'm on the show, I've got somebody here to kind of keep me grounded. Yeah. Um, uh, and so there are reasons why Chris Cornell's passing is, is significant to both of us um some of which i was reminded of when when i read your blog i'm not going to go into it necessarily on the show unless you want to yeah no i i um, was just going
0: to say I, I don't really want to go into it i think the the um as much as i ever really go into anything that has anything relative to my feelings uh it, it, it's on the blog so if you want to go read it yeah. and when i say the blog i just mean it's it, it's it's on the show page whatever you.co um you can go find it and they're just kind of a quick write-up of you know uh i'm a cornell fan for sure um but Cornell wasn't something that, like, I had, you know, like a religion for. Uh, and then, of course, you know, this, this week, I, I think, like, a lot of us, um, I'm sure I'm not the only person this falls into. It's like, you, I wasn't really thinking about Cornell a lot before he passed. He, you know, if, if I had to list my favorite bands, he might not have been at the top of him. And then he's gone. And all I can do all week is watch tribute videos and watch covers and watch acoustic versions and listen to songbook over and over again and go through, uh, the whole fucking, uh, uh, sound garden discography. Like it's been pretty much nonstop for me. And so one of the other things that I kind of connected it to is, is that the circumstance has, I guess a little bit to do with my own personal life. So that's on the page, whatever you um, If you want to read it, you can, um, you know, don't cry for me, Argentina. It's, it's, uh, it's, I think it was a good thing to write, but it wasn't like a, it's not something I'm super broken up about. It's just one of those things where I keep thinking about, keep thinking about the circumstances of this over and over again. And I was trying to figure out why I'm so hung up on this because, you know, we're, both of us are kind of assholes. Like neither one of us, I think, really get hung up on celebrity deaths and stuff like that. And you can go back and listen to any of the whatever show, you know, where we talk about celebrity deaths and we usually uh, turn into crass jerks and, and make jokes pretty quickly. Uh, and so I couldn't figure out why that this wasn't, you know, the same thing. Thing for me, and so that that's all that was. Is I kind of I kind of made some connections. I, I I made I connected the dots a little bit, and I just thought it was worth writing because um, number one, uh, it is deserving of a post on the on the page, and uh, number two, you know, it does it does have a little bit like it, it was just I connected the dot, and I wanted to write a thing, so here we are. Yeah, it's my page. I can do what I fucking want.
1: No, uh, read it like yeah. seriously. No, it's 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 good insight. Um, and then when as you're reading it too, you can kind of picture, uh, the two of us. Yeah, Uh because we're, I'm mentioned in it. Yeah, and uh sort of not by name, but like you know, it's me just by. Yeah, yeah, by you know. And I should
0: I should have tossed that in there in, in retrospect. Maybe I'll go back and edit that in because uh, it's the internet and I can change no, what I want. You don't have, but, no, um, you don't have to bother yeah.
1: though, dude, because like
0: you, you, you get it. Anybody who like, knows us knows it. So yeah. yeah.
1: Um, and then the other the other piece of it too is just that um I've been listening to his music all week again this week you know what i mean like so it's been he's been gone a week and a half now as, as we're recording this um and i'm having a real hard time wrapping my head around the thought that like people have written and performed music other than chris cornell at this point because i've listened to <laughs> so much of it lately and and that's because he had such a diverse catalog like there's the Soundgarden stuff there's the audio slave stuff completely different from one another there's his solo stuff and then there's his acoustic solo stuff and his newer i mean a uh, solo record that I, that i actually um, he, have he's made it through a couple times now. He's been in the business for a good, you know, 30 years or something like that now. And
0: he. More, more since '86 is when Soundgarden started. Yeah, and, and uh you know he he ran the gamut. I mean, he really did a lot of stuff, and so, um but you know, I just can't get over uh, how how much of a talent he was too. You know, yeah. so that's the other huge part, and uh, you, just
1: all of that shit is really fucking good too. So, mm-hmm. like, it's easy to listen to again and again. Um, yeah, like right before we actually started recording, like we watched a video of him uh, doing a thing for XM Radio, um, performing "Nothing Compares to You," which is a a song written and performed by Prince originally um, kind of made it a little bit more famous when Sinead O'Connor did the cover, did her cover of it. Yeah. Um, And I can tell you definitively, like without this has nothing to do with the fact that he's, he's gone now. Chris Cornell does it better than either of them. (laughs) I mean, just, yeah, I I can't,
0: I can't. um, One of the things that I always watch out for, or, or that I think is the sign of a real, you know, artist, a real musician is, Every one of these performances I've seen, and, and granted, this is a little self-selecting. Uh, people aren't necessarily tweeting uh, uh, some dive show he did, you know, that, that didn't go over very well. Um, but everything he does like this, uh, you know, th- these live things, is just so fucking on point like he doesn't miss a note you know right. and and so that's a huge thing cuz like if you've ever performed live if you've ever sung in the shower you know that it it it's hard to make those notes all come out the same way even if you are a good singer uh, uh, every single time so it it amazes me how good he was at doing stuff like that especially you know
1: yeah yeah the the last piece of my observation diverse, uh is is this and that is everybody talks about his voice and how it's obviously his bread and butter, right? Oh, I mean, for that's, sure. But nobody really talks about the fact that he's an accomplished guitar player, too. Like, I haven't watched a single one of the videos that I've watched lately where he hasn't had a guitar in his hands at the same time. And that's a pretty amazing feat because when you think about it, like, people really, really know him for his voice, but all of the music that he's been in has been good and he's been a part of that piece of it as well. Like, um, it's playing a guitar is not easy and he's not like a he's not a lead guitar player. Like, I don't think he's a virtuoso by any means, but no, but I watch that too. Like I I play guitar and he plays real tight. I like, I I mean, there
0: is some stuff that he plays that's easier than others. You know, it's a lot of, you know, C D E chords. Um, and that's not difficult to do, but there's other stuff that he plays where it is, I think more challenging, especially when you're singing at the same time to play And and again, like black hole sun, not the hardest song to play on the guitar. It's really not. I, I learned how to do that this last week. No surprise. Um, but it is kind of challenging to do it while you're singing and being able to keep the tempo and rhythm and hit the notes that he hits in the song. And I just, he, he's fucking good. He was, fucking he was,
1: good. he was an extremely, uh, fucking talented dude. And, yeah. um, we said this last week, but I mean, the, 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 the music industry in the world, um, in, in general is a little smaller with him being gone. Oh, for sure. All right. Let's, uh, before
0: this gets too morbid, let's move on. Let's talk about DC.
1: We're going to talk a little bit about black lightning. Yeah, I don't know what the fuck this is. <laughs> um, Black Lightning is a series coming to C dub this fall. It's a DC comic book property. Um, that I did figure. It is not part of the Berlantiverse, though. Oddly. That I did not figure. Uh, so... Um, there's a heroic Hollywood link in here and I believe the link might even take you to a clip. I don't know that for sure. Cause I haven't read the full article yet. I just grabbed something about black lightning cause I, I, I'd already watched. the. There is
0: a first look trailer, which I guess I should have watched right.
1: before that. And goddamn it. I hope it,
0: his costume looks better than that than in this little still right here. Cause Holy, hell.
1: um, it looks better on film than it does in that, in that still like okay. that. I can tell you. Okay, good. Um, it's not just him though. Hmm. Uh, The the show itself is about him and his family Like his wife and daughter apparently also have The same powers or whatnot So um, that'll be interesting His daughter actually narrates the, the clip Oh cool um so i think it's gonna be more of a superhero like family show it's 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 gonna be more family centric and not as far reaching as shows like arrow with the flash or anything like that is is my my suspicion
0: well the interesting thing here in the article it says they they say that it's going to be quite different from like the regular superhero show and when he, he was asked about it he um actually compared it to, to battlestar galactica so yeah, it'll be
1: if they can pull that off, that would be really interesting to do. I can so. kind of see that from the clip, the just the, the overall tone of it. So, um, that's coming. That was just, I mean, uh, the network out fronts were last week. And so that's, that's why it, it's relevant all of a sudden. I've known about this project for a long time and I just keep forgetting to talk about it on the show, but now yeah. that it's actually a thing.
0: Well, I'll go watch the clip after we get done here.
1: Um, yeah. let's talk some John Barrowman. John Barrowman,
0: um, Barrowman, I believe, is hanging up his cape, or not his so to cape? Speak. Hanging up his
1: leather uh, uh, outfit. Um, he uh, he was a part of the season finale of The Flash. We will talk about that later on in the show. Um, but he has confirmed that that as of right now, he he has left the uh, Arrow. C Dub Arrowverse. Yeah, c- season finale of The Arrow. Oh yeah, I'm sorry, Arrow. Um, so yeah. Uh, I'm sad to see him go. Uh, obviously, um, not probably as sad as he is because, you know, I, I'm not losing money because he's not there. Yeah. But, uh, he's, he's not hurting for projects. He's going to do things. He's a super talented guy. Oh, yeah, for um, sure. But that's one of the reasons I'm going to miss him a lot in, in the, the Arrowverse is just because he's kind of a jack of all trades. I mean, he's, he's played the same character across the Flash, Legends, and, um, Arrow. And then even in some of the other, like, alt-reality uh, episodes, like the musical episode of The Flash, like, he was a huge part in that. Oh, yeah. And he was yeah, amazing in yeah. it. And, of course, he,
0: he, a lot of you guys would be up in arms if we didn't say or mention, you know, say, Torchwood and Doctor Who. And, right. of course, he played a very different character in that show, uh, shows, rather. And um, he was good. So, uh, um, you know, we're going to talk about this, but
1: there's no reason he couldn't come back. No, no, and we definitely will address that when we when we hit the when we we talk about
0: TV, we're going to talk about that. Okay, next up, real life superhero Stephen Amell. Um, (laughs) uh, Fucking apparently, Uh, we we've got a link in the show notes here to uh, Stephen Amell running American Ninja Warrior. He did it for the red nose charity thing, Um, and so he ran the course. He crushed.
1: I mean, he's been talking about wanting to be on American Ninja Warrior for years. If you follow him on social media, you know Twitter, Facebook, the like. Um, actually he's one of the few celebrities that is kind of more active on Facebook or at least has been more active on Facebook than on Twitter. Um, in that he was kind of an early adopter of the Facebook live. Oh yeah. He
0: he's been Facebook living stuff for a long time now. Yeah. He's actually a really good, um, like, um, whenever you follow somebody like this on Twitter, whenever you follow, you know, some celebrity you don't really know, it's always kind of a crapshoot of you're, you're going to get anything interesting out of it. It's like meeting your heroes. Yeah, Amel Mel is actually a really cool guy to follow. Uh number one, he's funny. Uh yeah. he he's just seems like a really super cool dude. And you can kind of see that in his running the American Ninja Warrior course. So number one, uh you if you are a guy like me, you're probably gonna watch that and you're gonna be a little pissed off because um I could not, uh, obviously. Uh, Anybody who's seen a picture of me would understand exactly why it doesn't make sense. Number two, I'm just not built for for a Ninja Warrior. If they ever do,
1: like, American fat-ass Ninja Warrior, then I might try out for that. Dude, like, I I bet I could kick his ass in a pie-eating contest, but... (laughs) Maybe. (laughs) Take that, Arrow. Uh, His metabolism, though, he'd probably plow through him.
0: I I know. He'd probably gain three pounds of muscle during the thing. Fucker. Uh, Anyway, um... So he just crushes this course and he makes it look uh, super easy. Like if you've ever watched this show, um, there's a variety of different types of athletes that complete, compete on this. And, you know, some not athletes. There's plenty of people that are come. And, like, I remember this one guy who did actually pretty well on the course. He was a software developer or something like that. And really not uh, uh, an athlete in, in anything else other than he trained a lot for American Ninja Warrior. Um, also, uh, should we even mention, Have you get, if you don't know what American Ninja Warrior is, um, it's essentially this obstacle course sort of thing.
1: Um this is one of the shows or concepts that American television has adapted from some of the, the more obscure Japanese uh oh, for sure programming st- things. Like it's 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 really just like let's put these ridiculous obstacles together and see who can not hit their balls on the bar before they fall into the water kind of a thing.
0: There's a lot of stuff like that, like. Um, but the the thing about Ninja Warrior, um, it's you know, just picture an obstacle course. The thing about this is, the obstacles usually are some combination of dexterity, strength. Um, upper body strength plays a huge part in, in most of these. Like that was one of the things I was noticing watching this particular course. Is there's a lot of things where upper body strength are just is just huge. Um, and uh, the other thing I was going to point out here is like. It's not only just strength; it's like odd portions of strength too. Like, so there's the the one obstacle where he's like, he jumps onto the wheel. Uh, um, sort of thing, and then you have to go between them. The flywheels. And you just look at what kind of strength you have to use, and it's like, there's a lot of grip going on there, and a lot of, very, you know, very, it's not like gripping a bar. Um, you're, that's, you're that's trying relatively easy You to hold easy. on to something
1: that doesn't have much of an edge to it as tightly as you can, at while well, at the same time swinging your legs to get the momentum to get to the next disc. Yeah. So and speak. then
0: you've got the, you know, the other obstacle that I, that, um, was like that. It's sort of like they have a, um, you know, like you have to grip around the donut thing and slide. Uh, it's nobody can see what I'm uh, it, doing it, at home. It's,
1: so picture like a long pole. Like if you've ever played one of the Lego games, like where you have to walk across the poles. Yeah, it's like that, but you have to hold onto a donut slidey thing to get across the pole instead of yeah. And so of just, going there's no hand.
0: grip, so you have to like wrap your arms around the whole thing this weird way, and it makes it really hard to do. And then the 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 other one I was thinking about is that sort of. I think this is where he he finished in in the bonus round, so to speak. But it's like the. Um, there's handles, but they're like these, you know, picture a pegboard sort of thing. And except for the pegs don't stay uh, stationary, they kind no, of they slide. move and jiggle around and stuff like that. So you have to have, you know, a, a stupendous amount of grip strength to make that even kind of work. Um, so, yeah, I was watching this and there's a, a few things that stuck out at me. Number one is he's just totally fucking nonchalant. Like he makes it look absolutely easy the whole fucking course. Um, number two is he's just such a cool guy. Like, yeah, uh, as, as he's going through the course, like he hits he hits the first obstacle. And he goes and he kind of talks up the crowd and stuff like that. And he's not being a a douche about it. He's you know like just legitimately engaging the crowd, being fun. Like he's he's a
1: really positive dude.
0: um He's making jokes and stuff the whole time. He hits the end of the course that he's supposed
1: to run and then the next course ahead of that that he doesn't have to uh Like uh, this is even this is even officially part of the course. This is like the back end of the course that you do if you like if you're a finalist on the show. Yeah. And like that that was what impressed me the most is he went through the regular course and then he was like he he he's talking to the hosts and, and whatnot and he's like, So this is for charity, right? And they're like, Yeah, and he goes, So, um, I want to do one more. Yeah. You know, and they're just like, All right, go for it. And like the 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 brilliance of this is like the one more that he wants to do is the salmon ladder which if you've watched arrow like you know like from season one like he does this anyway and if you've ever watched like the the behind the scenes um you know uh uh bonus features on the on the blu-ray set or anything like that like any of the documentaries like you know that this is one of the things that he does a lot of his stunts himself on the show but, but this especially is one of the ones that he does by himself yeah you know um and this is essentially doing a pull up but you're at the same time like pulling up with enough momentum that you can move the bar up one more notch on it, the it's kind of cool too
0: because you know it's like um when, when, uh, on the show, you know, when you start a, or a regular salmon ladder, really, um, you sort of start from a standing position. And this one, you kind of have to jump, you have to leap towards, grab the bar, and then grab the strength, get the strength to, you know, do the, do the actual thing. So he manages the salmon ladder and then has to move on to the next obstacle. And when he gets to the next obstacle, he sort of jumps across, grabs the first thing, which is weird because it's like this pegborg thing that's also swinging. Um, like a pendulum and he grabs the thing and he s- sort of stops and he looks at the crowd and he's like, okay, guys, this looks like the end for me. Uh, thanks everybody for coming out. Like he stops and has like a nice little aside with the audience, uh, as he's doing this course, which is just crazy. Cause he- 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 I mean, I again, just such a cool guy.
1: So it just, and then just drops into the water, like.
0: He's like, yeah, this is where I'm out, and he just drops into the water.
1: Yeah, I kind of wonder if he casual is all hell, or if this was like because I mean, the the guys were saying and I don't know how much that's that's the thing is like these American Ninja Warrior announcers like they over sensationalize the fuck out of everything on here. So. Oh yeah, it's
0: like almost like wrestling announcers with it. Oh my god, I can't believe they're, you know, they're kind of so worse. Funny. Yeah,
1: you know, like in in like you're just like man, they are they reading from a script, but like they they did talk about how like the the thing that he dropped off of has not actually been done in active competition yet yeah and so i almost wonder if he could have done it and they just didn't want him to because like dude i I don't know he there wasn't really a
0: part of this course where i was like oh he was kind of rocky there he just well he blasted through the whole goddamn thing my thing
1: is is like a brand new obstacle like they probably don't actually want that done especially by a celebrity until like it's been done in, in like an active competition piece of the show. You know what I mean? They're like, you know, no, no coffees for closers. Like, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, it's funny. It's just funny though. Cause he's been talking about wanting to do this the whole for a a while now. And
0: uh, you know, going into this, I'm kind of thinking, I wonder how he's going to do because he, we know he's athletic. Like we've seen, you know, um, if you, if you follow him on any of the social media stuff, you've seen like his free run training and stuff like that. So, you know, he's got some of that talent. I mean, he pins stardust in the middle of the ring. Yeah. At SummerSlam. Come on. Of course. And, uh... You, you can just see th- that he's got some ability, you know, even just wrestling, you know, like we're, we're talking about wrestling. That's not easy to do. You do need coordination to do those types of things. And it's a different kind of discipline than some of the other stuff you see that that he's been working on. So, um, going into this, I'm just kind of thinking, I wonder how he actually does. And they show the preview, which is, you know, total blue ball. Uh, cause I saw the preview a few days ahead and he gets through the first obstacle or two. And I just want, I, I keep wondering, like uh, when we see this, is that going to be the point where he falls off? Like he gets through two obstacles, which happens on warrior a lot you know like they televise a lot of those where they get through you know uh, the first obstacle obstacle or two and then crash and burn so i just i kind of expected it to be something like that but no he just crushes the whole fucking course doesn't break a sweat he just looks like it's as easy as you know uh, uh, fish in water you know just swimming
1: along I, so. yeah i mean he does it with so little effort it, it it's i mean it's like me drinking a pint of beer yeah like, like
0: <laughs> if there were a pint of beer drinking
1: contest uh me and matt come on come on mel we'll take you I don't know, man. He owns that winery, dude. With that shit, maybe he'd stop. Which, which is an- that's another funny thing about following him on on social media too is, uh, he's got a, a certain amount of like haters and trolls that kind of trolls his oh, his stuff, sure. and they're always talking about how he all he ever does is is sell his winery on on social media and whatnot. Like I've never actually like heard him talk about his winery it's a knocking point winery too by the way if you guys if you guys yeah. want to know um, we'll sell it for him because <laughs> fuck i want to try it we're gonna to have to find some of it eventually. i don't drink wine but i'll i'll I'll. you know yeah i, I do i like wine so I mean, if he does a riesling like yeah. we'll we'll do a riesling <laughs> maybe maybe a cab i don't know i'm not a huge red fan but you know
0: yeah All right, so anyway, um, if you want to go be uh, sad about your own uh, physical limitations, you can go watch Stephen Amell uh, Barely Break a Sweat, if at all, uh, uh, Crushing American Ninja Warrior.
1: Absolutely. Um, Are we going to refill before Marvel?
0: Yeah, let's do that. Okay. All right, let's uh, chew some uh, just taffy right into the microphone now,
1: (laughs) and uh, let's talk about Marvel. So following for those of you following at home, my wife and kid went to the coast yesterday and brought back a giant bag of saltwater taffy, which, you know... That's kind of my jam. Like, I don't need a lot of candy, but saltwater taffy, holy shit, man. All day long.
0: Yeah, for those of you not familiar with the Oregon coast, if you go down to the bayfront, uh, the, the, the historic bayfront, which is, you know, basically kind of a tourist trap a little bit, um... But still super good. It's not terrible. Like, uh, but one of the things you do is you go down there and you, you get saltwater taffy. It, it, they make it there. It's so good. You know, there's two shops that do it and they're both really good, but.
1: If you're talking Newport on the Oregon coast, like the only real tourist trap is the fucking aquarium because god damn it, it costs like $150. dude it sucks too because i love the aquarium but the aquarium has gotten so expensive but yeah like i don't have two thousand dollars to take my whole family to the aquarium go see fish yeah okay it's not two thousand dollars but like literally like when you look at the prices you're like how much is it going to cost to take my family this one time oh it's going to cost me a hundred and twenty dollars if i buy a hundred and fifty dollar family pass i can go every day of the fucking year if i want but what are the chances i'm going to come back again in a year so yeah. you just shell out the 120 bucks, and then six months later you're like, "Fuck, I'm doing it again."
0: Even going to the Oregon Zoo, like the Oregon Zoo is is much cheaper than the aquarium, uh, uh, which I don't know. I, don't, I guess I guess keeping those fish in their 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 tank water and stuff that change, it's got to be
1: quite labor intensive. I mean, somebody's got to massage Keiko's boner. I guess yeah. I don't know. Yeah. But <laughs> all right, that's
0: <laughs> episode oh.
1: 85. Keiko's yeah. boner titles um okay so let's talk Marvel um let's talk James Gunn James Gunn director of Guardians of the Galaxy and Guardians of the Galaxy 2 and you know some other stuff that you've probably heard of before but whatever specifically to this uh relevant to this article is James Gunn getting his own Funko Pop it's a pretty big deal. They don't usually just give those
0: guys to you know people. Not, you know they don't. I give mean that's a not. That's not
1: necessarily true. I could get my own phone, could Pop. It. Like I just have to agree to buy like so many of them and they would do it. But yeah, but I'm just saying like. Um, but he probably didn't have to make a, a, a deal. Like they're just going to do this for him.
0: Yeah, I, I don't think he probably went and requested one. Like no. I don't get the I don't no. get the feeling that like uh, uh, like Poe. Poe Dameron was like, "Hey, make a Funko out of me." I think they just do that because it's like, "Oh, that's cool," yeah. you know. Or
1: I'm um, looking up there at like Colossus, like that. Nobody says like, so "We, we, you know,
0: we got a petition to get
1: Colossus done." That's I, it, I, it, I, it, I for some reason like fell hook line and sinker into the Funko Pop trap. Like I'm, I'm a huge fan of them. Like I think they're <laughs> neat. Eddie's looking at like ten of them that I've got st- sitting on the bookshelf. The Skeletor yeah, is really eyeballing me, dude. That thing's worth like seventy five dollars right now. Really? Like, you, yeah, you can't get that one anymore. So nice. It's, it's, I mean, you can get it, but. Only private party and whatnot. Yeah, I paid ten for him, so I'm I'm pretty pretty excited. My wife's got a couple, and she just doesn't take them out of the box because she thinks it bothers me a lot.
0: I would say, if anything, your wife's got the right idea. Like you leave them in the box because I I bet your guy's not worth seventy five because he's out of the box.
1: Yeah, no. Here's the thing: I'm never gonna sell them though. Like that's that's my thing. That's cool. If if
0: you if you're planning on never ever getting rid of them, that's fine. Yeah, but but I don't I don't. Understand. i don't buy
1: them because i i, I plan on on them being a, like a future investment or anything like that yeah so. if
0: if for example you've decided your investment portfolio needs to include funko uh you probably leave them in the box you're
1: not investing properly either probably <laughs> if, if, if you're banking on your funko's like paying for your kid's tuition to harvard i don't know i think i think uh warren buffett's probably like what's this funko pop Buy by $2 billion with it, yeah. And they're like, well, that's, that's the whole thing, Warren. Well, yeah. whatever. <laughs> that's every one that's ever been produced. Yeah. I'll take it. Uh, no, this is this is neat. Like, I, I like the Funkos a lot. I've, I'm Fuck, I'm wearing a Funko Pop t-shirt right now. It's true. I mean, granted, it's a first order Star Trooper, and I literally got it for like $3 on clearance at Target, but... It's a good deal. All right, it's the uh, first t-shirt I've ever bought that came in a box. I can tell you that. Yeah? That's weird. Yeah, So if you go to Target to like their... Oh, I know what you're their, talking their about. Their the little the, pop the... culture section back there. Yeah. Like they they hang on the little thing in boxes. Yeah. So they're like, I guess you nerds like this shit. Put this on the wall. Kind of. Like yeah. that's the kind of... The... Target's kind of embrace nerd culture though. Like that's one of the things that I've noticed over the years is like their toy section. Like when you go back to the board games and whatnot, like they have nerd games. Like you can buy Pandemic there. You can buy uh, Ticket to Ride, Catan. Like you can do all that stuff. Yeah. Um, and they're one of the only like chain stores that does that in fact when star trek Catan came out target had the exclusive on it like you could only get it there wow nice bryce has it you should come over and play it sometime yeah for sure um anyway james gunn getting a funko pop pretty excited don't know if i'll get it because you know i mean he he's gonna be the, the, as you look through the characters on the shelf right now the
0: only one i think that people probably wouldn't be able to name right off the bat is probably gonna be uh james gunn
1: if he was sitting up there I have an Opie Winston that maybe not everybody. I was just going to say Opie. Opie. is a big question mark. Yeah. Opie. Opie. Obviously, my favorite character from Sons of Anarchy, which Eddie hasn't finished yet.
0: Yeah. Oh, everybody you know what keeps though? Me for you that. know what
1: though? Like, I'm caught up on all of my shows right now. I'm I'm getting caught up on Gotham. Did not realize Gotham isn't done for the season. There's still three more episodes. Oh wow! So I might actually get caught up on that by the time. Uh. By the time I, I the, the finale happens, although I will tell you, I was watching an episode last night and I was listening to the commercials because I hadn't skipped through them yet. Donald Trump was not president yet at the time that this episode aired originally. Like It was the day before game one of the 2016 World Series. See, if I were you, I would just be continuing to watch that episode just pretending like, yeah i'm just i'm just living in the past at this point
0: like i would just i would just it, it'd be like that old guy uh, uh you know sitting on the couch with dementia i mean like you know yelling about
1: how hillary's gonna win any day now was, this donald trump thing is gonna be over soon good thing this society is gonna come back to its senses it you was know? it was 15 days before the election so i'm just like yep yeah for sure um yeah, it, your kid didn't hit their head on no, everybody's fine.
0: We're, okay. we're sending an email though. And yeah. we were talking about this before the show, but we're both kind of digging the Apple Watch thing. Um, we are. the one thing I gotta, I should probably do is have some self control about my notifications because like I, I, find myself like impulsively checking it. Like I had somebody the other day that was like,
1: I got some to be kid. I was like,
0: Oh no, I'm sorry. It's the stupid watch thing. Have you,
1: I, I left everything on right now for the yeah. most part. And so every once in a while, I catch myself in my office looking looking at my watch and it's like, it's time to stand. And I'm like, Okay, Apple Watch, I'll stand <laughs> up it is funny how much you get you pressured by a tiny little device on your wrist and yeah. you're like oh fuck man i guess i gotta stand up watch this i gotta stand up i, I listen to this little thing on my wrist um, um yeah no our my uh my employer like we have a, a an insurance incentive where if we get so many steps if we average five thousand steps a day for 120 days out of the year like our insurance essentially doesn't cost us anything yeah and uh Apple Watch was not integrated into that system, at least on our portion. Like, Sonic Boom is the company that we use, and it's a huge company. Yeah. Um, and they kind of tailor everybody's accounts to the business they work for and whatnot. And the Apple Watch was not included as, a, as an available device till I got mine. There was, like, three other people on campus that had one, like, before me. I just read
0: actually the other day that it is one of the most accurate fitness tractors trackers. I don't know how many they tested. I should have actually read the article, but I think I just skimmed the headline. Um, but apparently it's a super accurate device. Um, no, that's compared to I think are probably the two,
1: the top two, I, I would guess those are the two front runners. Um, yeah. But, uh, we, we incorporated Fitbit a long time ago. And then for the most part, everybody else on campus uses the, um, uh, it's, it's the boomerang. It's their own device. Yeah. And, um, and I, I kind of went online after I bought my Apple watch and I was looking at some of the forums and stuff. And they're like, I, I ran across a couple articles where they were talking about how they did support it, but because Apple doesn't share information as freely, it's not as user friendly and this, that and the other thing. So I went and talked to our, um, HR head because they're the ones that, that are, are, are kind of liaisons with the Sonic Boom people. And I was like, look, they said they have it, but that it it's not turned on by default, but we could have our, our company rep ask for it. And so she emailed them, and they sent her back another response that had a whole bunch of like detractors, and they're like, "This, this, and this might not work," and blah blah blah, and this that and the other thing. And I'm like, "Yeah, go ahead and do it. I'll beta test it. I'm the IT guy, right?" Like, yeah, you just, know,
0: it's fine. Turn it on. Yeah. I don't want to worry two things. Uh Yeah, I, it's kind of funny that if they wouldn't, because that, that seems like it's going to be very popular very quickly. It is already. I think the the stat I heard that's kind of most impressive, and I guess not necessarily impressive when you think in numbers, but I guess Apple Watch now is a bigger business than Rolex. Uh it doesn't surprise me. I mean, I mean Rolex nobody, uh, nobody, nobody clearly, is, clearly is not a volume business, but right. um uh yeah. So yeah. we're still talking about a $300 device that you probably are going to want to upgrade every couple of 3 years or something yeah, like that. I, so I paid
1: 230 for mine I gotta, and and that was on a really good discount. So yeah. But it wasn't a $20,000 Rolex. Although it probably keeps time more accurately. <laughs> yeah, that's probably true. That Rolexes do not actually keep time accurately. That's one of the, their biggest detractors because they're like it's 20 grand and it looks pretty, but. <laughs> well, it, uh, as it turns out with the Apple Watch, they do a lot of communicating in the background uh, uh,
0: with servers to keep them as accurate as possible. So um, they, they were actually talking about it. It is probably one of the most accurate timekeeping devices because they kind of get that cheat, you know, having the internet. So, yep. All right, let's talk uh, Lego Marvel superheroes. Two. Two um this apparently is going to include more guardians of the galaxy matt i was asking matt about this because i played this game a little bit um
1: but i never saw hide nor hide hide nor hair of the guardians so in the original lego marvel superheroes um you've got a lot i think 150 or something different characters by the time everything's all said and done um here's the deal with this game you can play the game and beat all of the levels and only be 19% 19% done with the game because there's so much unlockable stuff in the game. It's a huge game. Um and that's one of the reasons I love LEGO games is because I, I really, really like like goal-oriented things. Um yeah. like another good example is is uh the Tomb Raider. Not not the original PlayStation versions, but like the Tomb Raider that came out twenty thirteen. I, I just call it the Tomb Raider twenty thirteen. Yeah. Um, one of the reasons I like it is because every time, like, you hit a campfire and it's time for your next goal, like, your goal is right there. Like, it's in plain oh, letters. Like, yeah. This is what you do. It's a good objective-based
0: game. Yeah. You know, like, uh, th- there's a lot to be said for, like, open-world sandboxy type of games. Um, but, and Tomb Raider is a little bit that. Uh, it is. It but, is. but, uh, it's much um, more. Arkham
1: City is another, uh, yeah. really good example. Arkham City and, and Arkham Knight both. Um, Arkham Asylum, not so much because it's more linear. Um, uh, but Arkham, Arkham City and Arkham, uh, Knight both yeah. are, are, are very open world kind of objective based games. Um, the LEGO games are fun though because like after you're done beating the levels, like of course the first objective is to go back and beat them again in free play so that you can actually get everything out of the level because you can't your first time through. You can beat the level, but there's things that are locked in the levels that you can't necessarily access. Like, um, maybe there's shiny gold bricks that you need to melt with, um, iron man's laser beam but you don't have iron man as a playable character during that particular level that kind of a thing yeah um and then of of course you have a giant city map of new york city and you get to fly around or run around or swing around as spidey or whatever um and help these different citizens that need different things done um you have to rescue stan lee from different points of peril throughout the city unlock gold bricks um all those kind of things unlock vehicles just a shit ton of stuff to do um and when you beat the game proper which is just running through the levels of Lego Marvel Superheroes you do get a little bit of a of a cameo from the guardians like they show up and it's star-lord in his original suit that looks more like uh one of the Nova Corps nice. suits um before you know before he had the red duster and the and the crazy mask and all that kind of stuff uh huh um but they're just they they kind of show up as, around various parts of the city and like you just do different missions for them to do to unlock different things. Uh they're not playable characters yet. So Marvel uh Lego Marvel Super Heroes 2, they're going to play a bigger role. Awesome. Um Lego Marvel The Avengers is a different game which I also have. It actually is like playable levels of um mostly phase 2. I don't think I have that one. I think it is I think it's
0: Lego Marvel's Superheroes. That, Lego that Marvel's my kids Super
1: Superheroes is the one that's been out for a while and every once in a while you can catch it on a Steam sale for like five bucks or whatever. But yeah, it's I'm regular sure the regular price at have. this point is like twenty bucks for yeah. um any of the consoles or your computer. Yeah. A Lego Marvel Avengers is still like forty bucks. Um I do have it for the PS4 and I I played a little bit of it on the PC before I bought it for PS four. Um and I'm not gonna actually play it on my ps4 until I I, I have 100 percent completion on lego marvel superheroes because that's the kind of asshole I am <laughs> <laughs> all right uh let's move on to the next topic then um and so I have this link in
0: the show notes popped up in my twitter feed today uh which is going to lead me down another tangent but we'll talk about that in a second so uh sony has actually hired uh the first woman of color to direct a superhero movie um this is notable and in the show notes for a few different reasons and we'll get into them in just a second uh number one um uh, Uh, cool uh we we need more diversity in making this shit like uh, um there's a lot of different viewpoints that you can bring just by having you know different sort of people directing and being involved in the process and so uh fucking hooray sony for doing something like that uh there's a couple of other interesting points about this too number two is this movie is a movie that i don't think we've talked about even existing on the show that's uh called silver and black this is uh gonna be in sony's basically new marvel universes so sony's got the whole spider-man thing going we've Same already talked with venom yeah we've got venom now with uh, tom hardy and now apparently they're going to spin off the uh, movies a movie featuring uh silver sable and, and black, black cat.
1: cat i knew uh, yeah i knew that was happening actually
0: yeah, I don't think we talked about it so it just it, it missed my radar. So she's going to be uh directing that movie presuming it gets made for a release in 2018. And
1: uh the other they thing better get moving then.
0: <laughs> oh, I should mention uh, her name is Gina Prince-Bythewood. Uh that's Prince hyphen Bythewood. Bythewood, Bithwood, Bithewood, I don't know. Uh I would say cause Bythewood because
1: it looks like Blythe without the L.
0: Yeah, I I'd, I'd say Bythewood. Uh, Gina Prince Bythewood. Uh Could sorry be for we mispronouncing it. Um She's going to be directing the movie, and uh, we've already, it, or we will soon see a little bit of her directing chops because she's going to be on that freeform show we talked about, uh, Cloak and Dagger. Okay. Um, so she she actually directed the pilot. Uh, so that should be interesting. To see oh, how well. that goes. Um, one of the interesting things I thought about that I wanted to talk about very briefly, at least, is I think the reason I saw this link is because it got retweeted by an author that I really like. Her name is N.K. Jemisin. And the way that this kind of all ties together is, N.K. Jemison is a fantasy author, at least primarily. She's also like a psychologist and stuff like that. She, Not to
1: be confused with J.K. Rowling and/or J.K. Simmons. Yeah,
0: no, N.K. N.K. It's completely different. Uh, N.K. Jemison. She. She. Uh, the. The other thing that is, uh, I guess, nominally interesting is that she's black and she's a woman. So number one, women fantasy authors, pretty rare. Uh, black fantasy fantasy authors, uh,
1: There's the rare. whole Pern series, though, and that was written by a woman, and it's super popular. Yeah,
0: I'm just saying, though, for every woman you Anne have McCaffrey. that's got a successful series, uh, y- you have Anne McCaffrey, you have J.K. Rowling, you have Ursula. Um, fuck, what's her name? Ursula. I want to say King, but I know that's wrong. Maybe I'm even yeah. thinking of that series. Anyway, th- th- you've got uh, J.D. Robb. Um, J.D. Robb actually notably taking uh, uh, that particular. Is it J.D. Robb? I think it's J.D. Robb. N- taking that particular name because uh she didn't want to have uh, um her name uh, uh basically. It's not J.D. Robb. I think that's the
1: Fuck, I'll find it out in just, just a second. Just I mean, I'll I'll, I'll talk about Emmett McCaffrey just for a minute. Like here's here's the cool thing about how I grew up with uh fantasy, like high fantasy books and whatnot. Um I did not know that Emmett McCaffrey was an anomaly. An anomaly when I was oh, I'm getting this up. way wrong. Uh, reading, um, because I I I was reading like Stephen R. Donaldson things like that, and then um, I ran across the Dragon Riders of Pern series by Amy McCaffrey and started reading those, um, and I just assumed that that was like normal, that like it was it was like women could write sci-fi and whatnot. And... Well, it is normal. I mean, they can. I'm just saying, there's not very many of them. And the no, person no, I was that's, thinking of—that's that's what I'm talking about. Though it, it is not as common as I assumed it was, and that's kind of where I'm hoping like the rest of the world goes with like filmmaking directing you know that kind of a thing Um, I just I want my kids to be like you know yeah so uh, a woman directed Wonder Woman and a black woman is directing you know I, I, it should be a non-notable like, thing. It should be
0: like a who cares sort of thing because yeah, it should be so I common. Want that it's, to, it's, yeah, that's what my kids to experience. And, and uh, anyway, I got to correct myself because I said J.D. Robb and I'm pretty sure J.D. Robb is the one who does, you know, the, the supermarket, you know, uh, some sort of, you know, suspense thriller type of novels that you can find. And, and that's not who I was thinking about at all. I was thinking of Robin Hobb robin hobb who deliberately chose an androgynous name because uh, she didn't want her books to immediately number one she didn't really want to place any sort of um value judgment on the name and so if you um know that the author is a woman uh um you may assume certain things about the book of the writing or whatever and so they they just uh toss that out entirely so anyway um th- it was robin hobb that i was thinking of going back to my original point though um you just don't find many women authors. You don't find many black, at least within this genre, you don't find many women authors. You don't find many black authors. So uh, this is a black woman author that I really like. Her name is MK Jemison. She wrote uh, the 100,000 Kingdoms. Uh, I can't remember what the name. I, I want to say it's the Broken Kingdom trilogy, but it could be wrong about that. And I'm reading another book series by her that's only midway through, which, whose name I can't remember. Fuck me. That's so stupid. You ever
1: watch the uh, Star Trek Deep Space Nine episode, Little Green Men?
0: uh no i don't think so where well maybe i'll remember it when you tell me about it
1: it's it's a um kind of an alt reality episode where uh cisco is a black sci-fi like pulp author yeah and it it deals a lot with the it's like 50s kind of a kind of a thing like so he deals with a lot of racism and his stories don't get published because of of his race and it basically he's writing the story of, of deep space nine. And like, they're just like, no, oh, nobody's going to buy that. And especially not with a black, you know, captain <laughs> <laughs> and whatnot. Um, it, 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 I just, that reminded me of, of, of that particular episode when, you know, when you're talking, because honestly, here's the thing, uh, diversity, especially when it comes to filmmaking and directing matters because there's, I mean, you could, you could fucking, throw a pebble and, and hit a
0: white director. Oh yeah. I mean that, that's the thing here is that like, um, there's not, you know, there's nothing wrong with being a white director. Uh, but I think there is something wrong when the, you have a lot of this talent that's sort of getting overlooked, you know, for is sort of, um, uh, I don't want to say racism, but it is, I mean, it it is just, you know, sort of bias that we don't even realize it a lot of the time exists. And so if you don't confront those types of things and actively take steps to improve it, it, I think it doesn't. And you lose a lot of, uh, um, uh, good stuff when you don't diversify the product. And so NK came up and most notably, I think, cause she retweeted this link and that's where I got it from. Um, and secondarily because, uh, she is a black woman author. Um, but I didn't know that reading her stuff, like I was reading her stuff and her stuff is just really fucking good. Um, and, and the other thing that it came up is as I was reading her Twitter stream, um, she was, uh, sort of ranting about an interview she gave uh you can go find that if you follow her on twitter it's it's pretty funny uh funny sad um but the one of the things she should point out is like and and this is sort of like i was thinking about this and had like a bit of self-reflection because you know like if you're going to give an interview to nk what do you say and probably one of the first questions is you're going to be something like along the lines of like so you're a black woman author huh and it's kind of like uh that's a little bit condescending number one is it's not at all a fucking original question i'm I'm gonna guess that she's answered that question about three thousand times by now um pretty much every author or interview she's ever given probably has probably brought that up and that's kind of dumb but secondarily it's a little bit like so you're you're a monkey that can dance that's real impressive huh you know (laughs) because like uh it it is a little like it's not notable like you don't say hey dude you're a white male author tell me about that like yeah it, it's like well yeah. i like to write these stories and so i do like there's there's nothing interesting whatsoever in that it it is simply like i'm i like these stories you I'm, know so. I'm,
1: I'm gonna give you a pro tip from a uh co-host of a podcast that nobody listens to uh <laughs> whatever <you> show <laughs> when I'm just kidding when you're in a position to interview somebody um anybody honestly um don't address their race or their sex or anything else just address the product like nobody wants to fucking sit there and be like yeah i'm black yeah i'm an author or i'm gay or whatever like well i think it would be more interesting just address the work that they've done don't don't fucking condescend and be like so what's it like being a black author unless unless they specifically like are coming on your show to talk about that or or whatever like just talk about the product they do because that's what they're there for i'm
0: just saying in this case it's it's her being black a woman or whatever it doesn't matter she could be a three-eyed troglodyte from the planet persei omicron 7 or something like that it wouldn't really matter they're not a great vacation place yeah you, you'd want to you should be discussing the work probably um you, there are sometimes you know interesting stories to be told based on the challenges but you know particularly particularly as a writer probably the only thing that was difficult for her or, or the only thing that's interesting to discuss and again it's only interesting in so much as you know if you're the first five to ten people that's asked it um you know like what sort of struggle do you face being you know this in this position like i'm sure you know we've we've just finally hit the point where we have a black woman um that's going to direct a superhero movie <clears throat> how much struggle does she go through compared to the average you know working director in order to pull down a project like that here um so that that's an interesting question but even then that that the limits of the, that question are, are less interesting when the work is probably what t- should take center stage and so when you're you know bringing her on and you're like well so you're black huh it's like well Who the fuck cares? Like, so you're white, huh? Like that question doesn't make sense either. Like that, that that doesn't really matter. Um, why don't, why not talk about the work? And especially with NK, uh, um, her work is super, super interesting. Number one, it's very extremely well-written. Um, the, the, uh, you know the storytelling world building the, the her plot pacing etc is is interesting the other thing that's really interesting too is um she's incredibly probably more than any other author i've read so far um more inclusionary than anything else like uh to give you an idea um, like we have trans characters in the book we have characters in poly what is it called poly amorous poly whatever uh, relationships that and these are things are all you know they they never distracted me for a second. They they're just like this is the character, this is the thing, and it it's just done in a, in a way that um. I hope at some point it's in a textbook. Like here's an example of what you do or how do you, how do you, how you handle these sorts of characters, and it, it's sort of done along the same way. She never stops and looks at the camera and says, "Wow, look at that! Trans people are you know pretty much normal, just like you." Uh, she just writes the character and, and th- that's, that's how it works out. So same yeah. thing along the lines of like, Oh, so you're a black author. Well, nobody ever stopped me. You know, like that, that's where you stop and look at the cam- camera and you say, let's, let's talk about that. You know, like
1: it. Yeah. Um, directing a movie is a really a lot about um it's a person taking something that's on paper and then making it fit the world that they know or understand yeah. Which is why diversity, uh, specifically, um, is important when it comes to directors because, um, here's the deal. As white males, Eddie and I probably have the most, like, bread and butter view of how the world is out of anybody, right? Because neither one of us has ever like, faced racism when we walk down the street. Like, we've never been asked by cops why we're walking down the street when we're walking down the street. Like, it's, <laughs> Notable news, too, this week, as long as we're going to talk about this a little bit, um, in Portland
0: this week, um, uh, uh, a gentleman, uh, not really, but a, a guy in Portland on the bus um, basically started shouting up at uh, two Muslim women, um, I guess one was wearing a headdress or something like that, a hijab, um, and two guys came to defend her, uh, crazy guy stabbed them both, Um and so Italy, right like yeah yeah he he killed them I, actually in one of the more graphic stories i read i think he straight up sliced their throats so yeah. um so they 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 both died as far as i know the women got away before this altercation er, got took place um but what's interesting is the way in which the media pro- uh, approaches it so like had this been
1: a um if it had been a Muslim approaching uh, two white women... Just anybody not white. It would have been listed as a terror attack. Like, just yeah, it, straight it out. would have
0: been terrorism, etc. And, and when you talk about the white guy, it's like, oh, he was a troubled individual. He hit, you know...
1: Was he mentally ill? Like... No, he was a fucking terrorist, a domestic terrorist. Yeah, which like, we, we don't address enough in this. Yeah, country. why
0: are we framing it that way? Like the same thing along the lines, like uh, the other. You know, the the my favorite Twitter thing that I saw about this was uh, somebody saying, like, "When will the white nation? You know, when when will the whites come out and condemn this sort of behavior? You know, blah 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 blah." It's it's like that. That's yeah, not new, something that we do. Newsflash, uh,
1: America: more people die at the hands of. Uh, domestic terrorist trump supporters than they do by uh, foreign terrorists
0: yeah i saw that i saw that article today actually or some an article like that today and the headline here is essentially along the lines of um from the seven countries that trump's eo banned refugees coming from um Approximately zero people have been killed as a result of that yep. in terrorism events. But uh, we compared just sold to, a bunch of arms
1: uh, yeah. to a country that the uh, 9/11 terrorists came from. So oh, you know, know it's we got only that like going a billion for us. dollars,
0: and, and Trump got to rub the globe,
1: uh, which he said he'd never touch. <laughs> he did. But he did, he did, he I did in fact believe, touch the orb.
0: I cannot believe, that's, that's probably uh, my favorite, least favorite thing about this. Crooked
1: Hillary, he says, has been touching the orb for years and he would never do it and now all but of a the, sudden. the
0: fucking, there's a Trump tweet for everything. Like if you just go back, like right now, somebody should just, you should be just mining his Twitter feed from 2011 because I, I swear to God, if he's like, man, I fucking hate Baskin Robbins, you know he's getting protection money from Baskin Robbins or something like that. Yeah. Oh yeah. God. Yeah. So anyway, we've gone down a bit of a rat hole here. I just wanted I, to bring this up. I'm not done with it either. Yeah. I'm not done with it at all, all right. by a goddamn
1: sight because have you, did you see his, his speech to NATO? Mm, which one? Where he talks. Okay. Here's the thing. And I'll preface this because. Was this before or after he pushed away a, a fellow NATO member? I don't remember member. which order it went in, but he did give a speech to NATO wherein he talked about how there's a lot of countries in NATO that aren't pulling their weight. Not untrue, right? America puts the bill for a lot of this stuff, but that's kind of the reason why a, an organization like NATO exists is because, um, it's, it's so that it, these countries that have common goals with the United States and whatnot, um, can protect one another. And, and that includes financial protection as well. Um, there are other countries that are part of NATO though that don't necessarily, um, contribute. And, and I understand the sentiment. I do. I don't get me wrong. The problem is is the way he did it. And the things that he's done leading up to now, it means nothing at this point. Like it it if Obama had gone in front of NATO and said it, it might be different because he hadn't done everything in his fucking power to alienate the rest of the world against us. Um whereas Donald Trump has been the most fucking xenophobic goddamn Conspiracy theorist that I've ever fucking seen hold public office. And we've had some doozies, don't get me wrong. But, Jesus, goddamn Christ. What the fuck?
0: Yeah, so, uh, alright, so no i i reject the entire premise like um even when he comes out e- even if you'd taken a good president a decent president even just a not shit president because let's face it donald trump is not going to be anywhere in the list of not shit presidents the best he can do right now the best he can hope for is to not go down worse than fucking buchanan uh
1: that's it like, buchanan's never been a sitting president though yeah i'm pretty sure no pat buchanan ran not pat buchanan what which buchanan i gotta go back and google it um but uh, Nixon, Nixon is where I put him with only because the only like thing the is the that Nixon actually pulled our troops out of Vietnam.
0: The only thing you can really go with there is because, you know, the whole crooked obstruction of justice thing, That's like that. And granted, there's many a parallel to draw there. But even then, I reject his whole premise about NATO. Like, the way he seems to be treating um, NATO is like it's some sort of, like, mafia protection racket. It's like, you want protection, you gotta gotta pay up. James Buchanan, by the way. Okay, okay, yeah, you're right. Yeah, uh, so you gotta pay up. You want us to protect you, you gotta pay up. And so, like, that's a fucked up way to look at this sort of thing. Like, you don't, you know, like... I, I don't really care if a country has the money to support NATO. I don't fucking care if it's a, some tiny little country in, um, South fucking Africa or something like that that has three goats and a, and, and, um, the village hut to its name. If they want to join NATO, if they if they will reasonably call to arms when NATO calls for their help, they're in. I don't care if we have to pay for them. From, that's
1: that's just how it works. From a moderate standpoint, there are definitely countries that benefit from NATO that can afford to contribute that don't. But that's uh, see, that's, even then,
0: I, I don't know if that's true. Like I don't, I just don't really trust anything no, coming out it, of the GOP it, at all. I'd like to see some hard numbers on no, that before I made a judgment. It, it like is that.
1: true. the The problem is though that you. It's, it's kind of like welfare. There's always going to be uh, be people that abuse it, but it doesn't mean it's not a good program. And it's, you just that's that's it's what you consider um, an acceptable loss in in that in that particular situation. Like number one, like he put it to the uh, to the as though it's a huge burden on American taxpayers. It's not. You know, what's a huge burden on American taxpayers. Repealing the fucking estate tax. You, and, and, you know what and else? Stripping millions of Americans of healthcare. You know what else? Yeah, twenty-three
0: million goddamn people losing healthcare that we already have, and seeing premiums spike as much as eight hundred percent for even some of those that still maintain
1: healthcare. Do you know uh, why Obamacare limited insurance companies to a three percent profit margin? Because that's what fucking people can afford to pay. It's not even.
0: It, it's not even that. It, it is essentially what I really think. First off, the end goal for Obama was single payer. If if Obama could wave a wand, we'd go back in time eight years and we'd have passed single payer. Obamacare
1: what, only was what it was because the Republicans pushed for their their friends in the insurance business to stay in business.
0: Right. So the ACA was, and the 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 basic difference between the ACA, uh, um the A A C H A, just the insurance industry and medical care in the United States the way, and uh, the as we know it, and single payer is that. With the insurance industry, you profit off of people's illness. With single-payer, you do not. With single-payer,
1: you take care of people who have illness. We live in a goddamn world where- The ACA,
0: limiting profitability, was mainly as a stepping stone to get to single-payer.
1: We live in a world where cancer is still a disease because it makes people money.
0: See, I, I won't go... That, that's a little too conspiracy theorist for me. Cancer's fucked up, and I just think... It, and the other thing, too, is when you talk about cancer, we, we say cancer, and we think it's like so one thing. There's so many different types. There's so many but, different but types. cancer really is basically just like a retardation of the stel- cells, and that, that's a really hard thing. So, anyway, we're getting far off the path of, like, the things we know to talk about, so I don't want to go down this <laughs> rat hole too much, other than to say just, there's I, two favorite things that I have come out of this. Number one is... um trump touching the globe in that picture and having saruman the orb it's the orb yeah the the orb yeah having uh saruman photoshopped into that and having it not look weird even a little bit it doesn't look out of place it's yeah. not like santa claus in the fucking scene of the at, at the death star it's like you put saruman in there looks fucking as normal as you know uh, um you know having a bagel
1: with your morning coffee uh, before you kiss the kids your, and head off to work you your, your brother-in-law posted something about uh trump last week or whatever which he does frequently because he's he's like really anti trump and here's the thing about your brother-in-law he's religious right like and he's yeah i don't know that he makes it to church every week or anything like that but he's definitely more religious than any of us but but it's weird for me because like he's he's religious but at the same time like he's so far like he's so much on point with like how i am socially with a lot of different things that um it's well, weird it just doesn't necessarily mean idiotic no but you do but the you vocal do. the vocal members of that particular group have made it seem that way you know yeah. what i mean jesus would have wanted us to take health care away fuck yeah. those poor people um yeah i don't know yeah christ died so i could take your money yeah,
0: <laughs> uh, died to make sure I got mine, and fuck you. Yeah, um, yeah, that's that's rough. You
1: know, it's 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 one of those things. But uh, but like one of his one of his pro Trump friends that he has, you know, obviously came out and, and and bitched about whatever it was he said. And like my comment on the whole thing was like, do you not feel weird at all, like supporting a guy who has done literally this 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 and this thing that he said wasn't going to happen during his campaign? You know what I got? fucking crickets like yeah so like here's where i'm at on that
0: i do think that a, a big portion of of Trump's base at this point. Trump has basically hovered at 38% approval, which is pretty fucking low, especially in the first 100 days of presidency. I think
1: that's historically low. Um, it, no, it for sure is historically low. And his base really hasn't changed. So 38% Actually, of all hit, of us. He set records for the all time low approval ratings.
0: Yeah. So. so his, but his base hasn't really left him. Like his base is, you know, maybe they were 80% in, in you know, in January and maybe they're at, you know, say 78% now, you know, amongst Re- Republicans. And so here's where I want to go with that. There, there's really only two types of Trump voters, and 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 I'm sorry, this this is going to be really reductive, but I don't think I can. You're not really going to argue me out of this. I think I don't think there's going to be anybody who can make a point that's going to get around this. And so there's two types. Well, no, three types. There is racists, just pure unadulterated racists, whether they admit it or not, who just like the fact that Trump is all about fucking brown oh, people. Hate, hate crimes are on the rise. There is number two rich people. And those are the people who just don't give a fuck about the average American. I'm looking at uh, you, Paul Ryan, who uh, will suck a dick to get a tax break for some guy who's got a billion dollars.
1: Paul Ryan um, responsible for the best Freudian slip in the history of fucking politics. When he went on record as saying that it is his goal to destroy healthcare. Yes. Uh, <laughs> he didn't, that's not even a slip.
0: He just, oops, a uh, wrong note card. That was for the uh, donors meeting later. Right. Um, So, uh... There, there's there's people like that there there's the the republicans who will support trump simply because he's a means to an end as long as they control the power in the white house the the senate and the and in congress in general um they will be able to pass you know these ridiculous sort of bills in which uh the wealthy you know make out but every you know 23 million americans lose their health care and number 3 is just the fucking ignorant um and so and when i say ignorant i'm also going to say that there's a very small subclass of these people which uh, i would just call the stupid there are some people who are not just ignorant as in they don't understand because i i know there's plenty of people who don't understand like when you watch fox news there's been plenty of memes going around the, the internet this week about what cnn is covering what is msnbc covering and what is fox news covering so for example cnn is covering uh kushner's ties to russia trying to set up a back channel uh um with Dude. which cnn for which russia can see but the United States, the CIA, the NSA cannot see he what and go ahead and flip your mental gymnastics about how that makes sense for any good positive reason. And then you have Kushner
1: uh, wanting to use the Russian embassy on U.S. soil to communicate with Russia
0: without oversight, from without the oversight government. from the American whatsoever. government whatsoever. Yeah. So you have CNN like, covering that like story that legit happened. You have an MSNBC covering that story. And then on Fox News. You have fucking Tucker Carlson talking about Lauren Duca's tweet, uh, which, by the way, Lauren Duca um, is writes for Teen Vogue of all places. And she's probably got some of the best coverage of this whole goddamn thing that I've ever seen.
1: And newsflash Sean Hannity trying to convince the American people that Trump's ties to Russia are fabricated.
0: Yeah. Going on and on about fucking Seth Rich, even though at this point his family is even like, no, that's bullshit. Please stop this. You're just dis- besmirching the name of our son. You know. Uh, so you got, so you got a whole group of people who are fed their news essentially by Fox News, and so they're woefully ignorant about what's actually going on in the world around them. Um, because there is a, a Fox news at this point might as well be like, uh, the ministry of truth. Um, they, they are spinning, uh, so hard. I, I wish we could capture the energy from that. Cause we wouldn't need coal anymore. Um, because they're, they're, they're spinning so hard every single day. Um, So you got those types of people. There's basically that that, that there's the rich, there's the racist, there's the wealthy, and then there's the woefully ignorant. And so what sort of troubles me about this is how do you reach the woefully ignorant? And how do we stop letting the utterly, utterly stupid... Uh, uh still have voting rights you know you, like and don't get me wrong i don't want to suppress voter rights that's the other big problem right now is we keep continuously trying to suppress voter rights um mainly you know through poor uh through poor and minority uh, uh as we're trying to get them out of their voting rights so i'd never say take away the voting rights other than in a stupid joke
1: but do you remember you know. when the most sane republican president in the last 30 years sent troops into iraq and um iraq's ministry of information uh w- was sending out messages to their own people talking about how everything was okay. Yeah. That's that's where we're at right now with Fox News. Like that's literally yeah. like yeah. Yeah. So and and when I say the most sane Republican president in 30 years, I'm talking about George W. Bush, guys, and that's I'm just saying a fucking statement if like, you're looking at the state of today
0: and our politics today and you do not find Trump utterly abhorrent, uh you need to read more because there there's just no way to spin this in which he's not. If you're a thinking rational person, he's utterly abhorrent abhorrent and if you don't find that to be the case,
1: then you're in one of those three groups have period. you have you seen the uh the picture of all of the the still living presidents uh and talking about how none of them support trump? Oh nobody does. Like, like the only people again, the only people
0: that do are fall into those three categories: racist, wealthy, and ignorant. Like uh, it, 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 some <laughs> sometimes all of the above. Many times all of the above.
1: O- Obama gave a great speech to people this last week. Um, and, and specifically, it was aimed at people who have been Trump supporters in the past and have have now turned their back on Trump's administration. Oh, yeah. Also, was, favorite was, subreddit Reddit dot com slash r slash Trump Gretz. It, it it is such a fucking meaningful speech and and like he he pulls no punches that's that's one of the things that like like him or not one of the things about obama like you have to respect his ability to go out and just call it like he sees it it's not even
0: just that he calls it like he sees it. It, it's that he is so knowledgeable he is so cogent in the way that he speaks to people um he can go out and give a speech he never like trump will straight up just try to stop. Anybody asks a hard question, Trump sells fake news and say, get that guy out of here, you know. If, you, you know, some of these days we're going to lock up your reporters and what have you for asking these questions about why I have ties to Russia and if I've actually sucked Putin's cock, uh, the answer is no, maybe, and yes, certainly I have. Um, but... Uh, whereas Obama will come out and he'll tackle those things head on because he knows what the fuck he's talking about. Like, that's the thing that I miss. It's not even just necessarily Obama. It's just that the contrast between the two, where you've got a president in between Bush and Trump. Obviously, Bush, not a great president fucked up a lot of stuff uh but i take him back in a heartbeat over trump uh and then you've got obama who is this well-thought reasoned individual who um you know doesn't always make great decisions but at least you can see a logical line of how he came to the decision he came to um and with trump you just can't uh and when he goes out he doesn't he he says words and they all somehow end and between the beginning of the end of those words, there's no sense actually made like he yeah. just it, it's almost like you, you took a computer and you sat it down in front of a dictionary and you just said, you know, say 13 words here. That that sound like a sentence, and so you're like, okay, well, I need a noun, I need a verb, and I need a uh you know pronoun or whatever, and just string those things together, and that's what Trump does every single day. And when you compare that to Obama, who can go out and give this like incredibly moving, well thought out, uh well reasoned speech with the vocabulary at least of a high school sophomore. Sorry, Trump, not there. Um, uh, it it's just so ridiculous to look at. Let
1: know? Let's role play a little bit. You be the rest of the world. And I'll be Trump, and and you ask me uh, a relevant question about my administration.
0: Oh, God. Okay, so, um, Mr. Trump, even though you're giving the speech at NATO, talking about how we're all one thing and we all need to help each other out, Uh, How does that reconcile itself with the fact that your first action in office was to release an executive order banning, almost seemingly without reason, seven countries, refugees, and uh, tourist visa holders, etc., from entering your country?
1: Mr. Trump. Uh, Okay. I'm terrific uh, with the rest of the world, okay? I'm unbelievable when it comes to communicating with the world yeah unbelievable all right and another thing i do really well is construction okay this is what i do all right i build things unbelievable things terrific things like uh chocolate cake all right i'm really good at eating chocolate cake yeah so um now
0: i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna give you a couple negatives on this one number one there's clearly the pause at the beginning where you thought, and I don't think that's ever happened to Trump. I don't think there's ever been a case where he's paused and really thought about the next words that were going to come out of his mouth. Everything is just basically a bite stream of whatever's going on in his brain at the time, and it just spits out at random. Um, so, uh, I, that one dig there. Uh, number two, number two dig is, I could understand, if we wrote that down, um, that actually, Makes clear sense. He didn't answer the fucking question. Don't get me wrong. Uh, that's that's definitely a plus. That's very Trumpy. There's no answering questions in the Trump world. Um, but if we wrote that s- that sentence down, grammar is going to be fucked. Sentence structure is just out the window. But it does make a reasonable amount of sense. You maybe sound like a four year old.
1: Um, I, I could say which this, which is getting there. I can say this with surety. Okay, no president has been treated as unfairly as I have. Okay. <laughs> Yeah. Never mind the ones that have died.
0: Yeah, or been murdered. Okay.
1: Anyway, we, we, this is a fucking rat hole. We, we gotta get off this That now. was awesome. No, it, it's... Yeah. It we just, haven't talked about it in a couple of weeks, I don't think, and there's just been a lot of shit happening lately where I'm just like, really? It's just... This is the fucking world we're in right now? Like, seriously? I, I, like- I
0: didn't really... Um- I don't know. I didn't really follow politics in the news, uh, Twitter, etc. cetera, uh, before Trump's presidency. And now all I can do every single day is open up Twitter and be like, well, how fucked are we today? You know, like I open it up and it's like, oh, Jesus. Uh, one of my favorite podcasters slash uh, creator of Cards Against Humanity and a whole bunch of other stuff. Um, is, <laughs> I love uh, that game. We got to get together. Yeah. 100%. His name is Max Temkin. Um, y- you should follow him on Twitter because it's really funny. I buy his shit. Yeah, buy a shit. Uh, Max Temkin is one of the eight. I think. I think there's eight creators of Cards Against Humanity. Uh, but he's on another podcast I really like called Do By Friday, and they talk about this on a relatively reasonable basis. And one of the things that I like, it's probably my favorite thing he's ever said, is like he, and this is going back like I think 80 or 90 days. Um, but he said, "Well, that's it. We've surely got him now, right? Huh?" And, and it's like, "Well, no, because uh, we've been saying that." You know, I think I think that's actually the quote. I've been saying this for the last year and a half. Well, that's it. That's the one. We've surely got him now. You know, like, every single time Trump does something that's utterly outrageous, utterly ridiculous, Like, you got yeah, oh, son of a bitch. That's, that's it. Yeah, th- he's going down now. Like, when, when, he, when the tape comes out and he says he's, he can just grab women by the pussy, uh, uh, you think to yourself, oh, man, this guy's done. You can't possibly this elect is, this guy. Nobody's going to want to vote so for this fucking This is so true, because, like,
1: literally, like, up to the day of the goddamn election, like, anybody that asked me, I'm like... Hitler is a shoe in. There's no way Trump wins. There's no fucking. Oh, way I did. Trump wins. I did.
0: When my wife, my wife texts me, I'm driving home from work and it's like 7:30. My wife texts me and says, um, "So, it, it's looking like Trump's." Trump's doing actually pretty good, and I'm like, there's no fucking way. Even on election night, I'm like, well, no. I mean,
1: you're like, just oh, it's the red states. They've reported, it yeah, already. basically. Like, no, I'm just
0: like, oh, it's it's fine. This is normal. red yeah. states are coming in, or whatever. Blah blah blah. And even still, I uh, but my my still thought at this point is I'm a little bit depressed because it's like, how do you reconcile some of the shit that he says? But like every day right now, there is a new thing that it's just like, holy fuck, are you serious? You're like, when well, Aba- fires- Alabama's
1: reported in. I expected yeah. that.
0: Yeah, when you, know? you when he when he fires the director of the FBI for investigating merely investigating not bringing charges not anything else merely investigating the fact that there's a russian connection and comes out and says that shit says that shit straight up like two russian ambassadors yeah let him go because uh this russian investigated and really
1: getting ridiculous
0: how so every day i I open up something and i'm like well that's it we got him this time boys
1: you know comey was not a good director of the fbi I would have fired him too, but for a lot of different reasons. And you know what? If I was Trump, I'm doing it the day I take office and not waiting until, oh, now I'm under investigation. Now he's got to go. Because even if you have a legit reason to fire him, it doesn't matter anymore. You're fucked at this point because it's the rest just, of the world sees know. it as what it is. And that is the but same thing. It's not even
0: that he was a terrible
1: it's, director at the FBI. It's, it's just purely it's for the, the, same the conflict reason, of interest. Well, it's for the same reason that that Clinton... Uh, lobbed missiles into Afghanistan the day he was supposed to take the scan uh, the stand in the Lewinsky trials like it's the exact yeah, same the, fucking it, thing. I, it's I don't understand. believe
0: those are coincidence either. Yeah, um, th- there's many things like that we could talk about. I and think, this is this is coming from people side that of the that, aisle. that
1: socially tend to lean left. Clinton did some fucked up shit. Yeah, you know, um, but yeah, it just Trump's he's so far off his fucking nut at this point it's not even it, funny that's
0: what's crazy to me is like he he's so far off his nut it's so clearly obvious we're just so clearly in a completely different realm we're really outstri- outside of politics i'm i'm not a histor a historian so i won't go back and say like ever in american history but we are so far out of the norm in the last hundred years of American politics that it's ridiculous to think about. And so what, what still, I guess, gets my goat the most is that he's got a su- surprising number of supporters. I,
1: I will go so far as to say that this is, this is, I mean, I, 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 I don't think the world has ever viewed the United States as negatively as it does now. And that includes a, a period of time when we had a president that sent troops and went to war with a different country based on faulty information from the cia like yeah. like i mean i would, I would least, give my least... left nut right now if we could have another w bush <laughs> presidency <laughs> yeah. over yeah. what we've got right now
0: yeah. yeah all right let's move on um do, do we want to grab a refill and come back
1: and finish the show i, I think we better because yeah. I, I fucking polished off this beer
0: <laughs> yeah well you talk about trump and beers just disappear there's nothing else really to happen
1: and i gotta go yeah drain my trump
0: Star Wars, let's talk about the first images.
1: Okay, before we get too far, I just want to commit to our audience right now that I'm going to try and get completely through the rest of the show, like without talking about the only sitting president that I feel should be bludgeoned in the balls with a goddamn rubber mallet. (laughs) That would be, that's very, that's very big, big of you. Bigly,
0: bigly. Bigly. huge all right huge tremendous tremendous uh so anyway we have in the positive news actually we have the first images from star wars the last jedi which include new characters uh by laura dern um you'll definitely recognize her and of course benicio del toro aka the collector the collector yeah he's in a lot of stuff it's like they were like well can we get jeff goldblum no well benicio
1: have you ever seen somebody that comes across on screen is looking dirtier than him though <laughs> no you know no, I,
0: I haven't really thought of it that way he always looks
1: like he came off of a fucking three-day heroin bender he does he does
0: like he, like at any point he looks like he woke up inside of an ashtray
1: benicio probably is not going to be a guest on the show at any time I, in the, in the he's not going to
0: be now um yeah he's definitely not going to be now nice. he always
1: is, it's just i think it's a look on his face he's like i don't know what the fuck i did last night or even where I'm at right now, but it is, it this is, is me.
0: It is, and then he's sitting here in this like fucking space robe, like he's sitting here in, in, in like the equivalent of like the, the Lebowski's robe. <laughs>
1: that rug really tied
0: the room together, man. <laughs> it did. It did. Um, the uh, Laura Dern's character, she she looks ele- elegant as balls. Like I don't know how um, she even fits into the Star Wars universe because this looks doesn't... more like a
1: character out of the uh, Mockingjay. Serious? then i don't know <laughs> she Wars. she looks
0: equal parts mocking jay you know for the hair color or like she just stepped off the set of the great gatsby yeah yeah we got some f- set photos uh with carrie fisher Ugh, and hamill and hamill that's that's uh and also cool We've got, I don't know, there's lots of cool stuff in here. It does look like, to me, like, there's a Are little bit... Are we going of, to the space opera? <clears throat> it does It does look like space opera inspired. It looks like a little bit like they just shot a scene Dude, from a literal space in the opera in the the first element.
1: chick in the middle with, like, the, the, the black Fifth and element. white, almost paisley-looking deal, like...
0: And look at that guy's fucking mustache.
1: Her head doesn't even look like it actually matches the rest of...
0: That guy's fucking mustache, wearing. though, looks like he just got done you know, doing his best Charlie Chaplin impression. Yeah. yeah yeah um so th- this i don't know this this the set pieces here so far these character shots are kind of strange the the set shots are cool uh you get to see some kind of neat stuff there um so i don't know go check this out there's a lot of interesting stuff here this should tell us a lot about the, sh- about the show we got, we got
1: bill weasley over here yeah and kylo ren yeah yeah dude
0: this 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 oh, photo. A shot of Rey. Ray sitting with Chewie.
1: No, the shot of Ray with a lightsaber. Oh um,
0: man, I cannot wait for that. Like the the trailer, every I, I I I don't know.
1: She's so cute, like just like every girl cute. You know what I mean?
0: Like she she has a little bit of a girl next door thing, um, but she's so like I love how capable she is. Yeah, but especially compared to like her other counterparts in, in the in the the movie so i mean i don't know she's gorgeous but um it, i think one of the other attractive parts is just how incredibly capable she no, is no
1: i watched i watched the the force awakens again recently and just like how she carries herself on screen and the emotion she's able to convey and all that kind of stuff just it it blows me away like um I'm going to get shit for saying this, but, like, in some ways, The Force Awakens is almost better than some of the previous Star Wars movies, like, even the original trilogy, just because of the fact that, like, um we went back to having relative unknowns be cast in the lead roles, even though we had some returning characters with, you know, Han Solo yeah. and, and Leia and stuff like that. But, like, the unknowns that we're getting now, John Boyega and Daisy Ridley, like, you know, to, to name, like, the top two... They're so much more capable as actors at this point than what like than we got out of Mark Hamill and even even Harrison Ford.
0: Yeah, uh, I mean, back I, at the time, I'm sure he's saying that not to disparage either because they both no, did no, no.
1: admirable jobs. But no, yeah,
0: it's crazy. Like you can see, there's a little bit of rust—not rust, but there's a little bit of like a—they're a little
1: green. I'm on, not talking about like their capabilities now. I'm talking about their Hamill. capabilities. like 77. Like if you look in 77, like like none of them are are, are accomplished. Or, or anything like that but like you look at John Boyega and like you hear him talk as a person and then you look at what he's doing on screen um as Finn you can't tell me this guy doesn't have chops oh no for sure you know what I mean um it's just it's just a different breed that's that's out there right now like uh thespians if you will have 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 reached a point where like CG and other things like that have kind of dominated uh the the filmmaking process so much that like if you're an actual actor, like you have to go out there and act your ass off if you really want to to convey yourself on screen, yeah. Um, because <clears throat> they'll just replace you with a goddamn robot or a computer generated image, <laughs> you know.
0: Yeah, um, it's uh, a different world too because like when they were casting for Star Wars, like I think they, you know, they they were making kind of a big movie at the time, um, but they cast. You know, like, it's also, like, they went, like, when they were casting, they, like, went one step above porn.
1: Um They were making a big movie, but at the same time, it was a crapshoot.
0: Yeah. So, uh, I don't know. The, the actors on, on, you know, like, A New Hope, especially, are just a little bit more green than anybody is on The Force Awakens. Yeah. In
1: 1977, um I'll remind you guys that uh, Star Wars, the Star Wars name was not a license to print money.
0: No. No, no, no. <laughs> so. Yeah. Uh Man, these shots are really good, though. I, mm. My next, I think... First off, Carrie, Carrie looks amazing in all these shots. The the one that's I think probably gonna I, I guess hurt so good is is the picture here with her daughter Carrie or uh, Billy Lord. Yeah, yeah. Uh, seeing Ray next to Luke Scott. God, fucking damn it! Do I love like wise Jedi Master Luke? Like, mm-hmm. holy hell! Is that every single time I see him in anything, especially these shots? Like where, he, where he's here standing next to Ray is so good. The, Um,
1: actually, the, 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 I mean, the iconic shot is probably going to be, uh, Mark and Carrie. Dude. Their, their brother, sister hug. That it, it's such an amazing shot. Um, I, I, I'm glad that happened, like before she passed, because honestly, like this is, uh, I have a hard time not choking up looking at that picture just because it's, it's, I mean, without sounding, you know, weird or artsy farts or anything like that it's it's a beautiful shot of those two i mean they've they've been through so much like together and separately um i oh, mean I'm, I'm glad they got that moment
0: th- this picture really does you know have a thousand it it really does tell a thousand words you know like um or is worth a thousand words for sure i guess that's the saying yeah i mean i just invented that saying there,
1: there's more stories Prime to this problem. picture than what you can see oh and yeah for sure it's it's I'm happy for both of them that they got it. You know, before yeah, for sure. So uh,
0: next up, we've got Kathleen Kennedy saying that they will decide on a Star Wars spinoff in June. So Matt, tell me about this because I don't know what this is at all.
1: Um, so you know, we obviously know that we have um episode eight coming up. One of the things that this, this article revealed that I wasn't positive on until now is that the Han Solo movie is actually slated for a May release. Okay. Um, so we, we've, we've got, um, in December, we've got episode eight and then five months later we have Han Solo and then a year later we have episode nine. Episode nine is also slated for a May release of, in 2019. So they're changing the cadence. Uh, that actually kind of makes sense. They're going to stick the two, they're going to stick Han Han
0: Solo next to, um, episode eight, uh, uh, rather than having to, you know, episode nine come out really closely to the other one.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, they, my understanding is originally they wanted um episode eight to have a main release as well, but they they realized it was probably a pretty daunting task. Yeah. It,
0: honestly, I I like kind of having them as Christmas releases.
1: I, I do, but I don't.
0: they they're I mean, don't get me wrong, they're big summer movies. Um, but I, I did I really enjoyed the Christmas release. Here's,
1: here's my thing. We had absolute shit weather when I drove you and I to go see episode seven. Yeah right? Yeah. Both of us braved shitty fucking snow and ice conditions to go see Rogue One. I'm just saying, if I had to have a Sherpa and like wear the
0: fucking tennis shoe shoes, the tennis racket shoes, we would have done it. We would have.
1: We would have. But... And and we'll do the same thing this year if it if if that's the case when episode eight comes out we will it's just that's the nature of the beast like in my I'm family my skis right my now. family as much as is they fucking hate me uh for going to see any of these Star Wars movies without them I'm just like look it's Star Wars I'm me this is who I am Star Wars comes out I go see it opening day yeah like there's We're not there is no there there is no like well can't you just wait a couple days for us to be here no I fucking can't wait a couple days because. Within 48 hours of time, Twitter, Facebook, whatever else will have spoiled it for me, and I'm no. Don't put that evil on me. We're
0: not negotiating. I'm just telling you the terms
1: of the deal. Yeah. (laughs) Um. So, so that's kind of the thing. And the beauty part of it is, my oldest daughter. Like by the time this movie comes out, like if she happens to be with me during that week, like I'm gonna take her with me. Yeah. It's just because she's old enough to go. Like it's it's that whole sort of thing. Like. Plus,
0: Ems, is I, I think she could is she into the original trilogy or into Star Wars so far?
1: Yeah, she digs it. Yeah, I, and I, I
0: just think especially with Ray with you know having a, a female lead and stuff like that, like I just I'm I'm almost a little bit jealous of girls of of you know around that age because if it's at all formative in the way that you know like say Star Wars was for us, uh, man.
1: No. emmy emmy is so much like me that it's not even funny like with one glaring difference and that is i went to her band concert this last week
0: oh yeah we talked about this off air i think
1: yeah i went to her band concert this last week um they did the um uh, uh actually they did they did a couple things like the actual concert themselves her jazz band they did the the cantina song from Mos Eisley. oh nice right and it I, I actually have full the full video of that of that happening which I may send to you. Do, 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 do. I may send yeah. to you so I can have you polish it up and and whatnot before we put it up on, on the on the show. But yeah, make it happen. Um, they also did um, the um, intermediate and advanced band got together and did a medley, and it was um, Star Wars, the the actual like opening title Star Wars music, the Jurassic Park theme. And then the E.T. theme, like they don't they you did. just
0: feel bad for the kids that like were in band and
1: all they could play was like Beethoven's Ninth, right? No, like I I have good experiences with band. I was never in band, but like when I was in middle school, my my middle school band did uh the Batman, the nineteen eighty nine Batman. Oh right? man, the, do, 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 you know, and that's such a good yeah. fucking Elfman, Elfman, Elfman Elfman's Elfman god tier, yeah. for sure. Well, yeah, um, and so. And then now my kid is in band and like one of the things I love about band, even though I was never in band again, I'll I'll reiterate, I was never in band. (laughs) Um, He's not like, uh, what's that? Stolen Valoring, the band, the band team, you
0: know, (laughs) band team, band.
1: Emmy, Emmy to me, like my, my oldest daughter, she's been one of those, one of those kids that like has always kind of had her own identity and whatnot. Anyway, um, she's never really struggled to figure out who she was, but then like when she got into band and started actually participated in a band she's like I get it this is who I am like I'm a band geek I'm a geek <laughs> like this is it this is what I do and she's just kind of taking the ball and run with it when when it comes to that like she um her intermediate band first of all not everybody in her intermediate band is also in jazz band and that's very apparent mhm because the the kids in jazz band are 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 really good like they're on point and she's the only trumpet in either one. And there's... In her intermediate band, like the song that they did at the at the concert we went to, there's a part that literally is only the trumpet. Mm-hmm. And it was my kid. And she nailed it. And it was so fucking good. And, like, I'm talking to her mom afterward, and I'm like, I had no idea she was that good because she literally doesn't practice. She brings her trumpet to my house, and I don't hear it for a week. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's like... It, I just don't hear her play. And so like for me to go to a concert and like, it was a proud dad moment for me. Right. But the, the moral of the story is, is like I, at this concert, her principal is addressing the crowd and introducing everybody to the bands and the different people, the different aspects of band and choir and all that kind of stuff. And I realized it hit me at that point in time, as much as my kid is like me, there's one particular like thing that she didn't inherit from me. And that is by the time I was her age, my mom and my middle school principal were on a first name basis and having weekly conversations <laughs> and I'm watching this guy talk and I go, I've <clears throat> never actually met this dude.
0: <laughs> like I I've done my, I've done my child one better. I win. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: A, and uh, like we, my mom and I were talking this morning cause she came to pick up Ms for a, a, a thing. And, um, uh, we were talking about, a uh, my principal in in grade school and how in first grade he told me that I was trouble and he knew I was trouble from the first time he saw me. And I'm like, I'm in first, I'm in fucking first grade, dude. Like, how do you (laughs) know that? Right. And, um, he then went on to become the vice principal when I was in high school. And, uh, I personally take credit for him taking early retirement from that job. (laughs) Nicely done and i informed my daughter that um if you do in fact have to go to the principal or the vice principal's office they really really don't like it when you relax and kick back and put their put your feet on their desk like they they for some reason they have a huge problem with that when you're talking to them <laughs> so don't do that um but other than that no um i i enjoy the fact that my daughter is a, is a huge star wars nerd and whatnot um and getting back on topic a may release for me uh works better for selfish reasons number one um i'm not opposed to driving in may weather <laughs> <laughs> Um also may is very close to my birthday and star wars the original star wars came out very close to my birthday in 77 only that was a year before i was born like it was it's just yeah. one of those things and it's always been a may thing up until recently it, up until the sequel trilogy
0: yeah, yeah. yeah, so don't get me wrong. I, I get it. Like it, Star Wars, I think it works great as a summer movie, and I think that really is kind of the the time where it's going to shine the most. I just I, I like I liked I like the winter release.
1: I I do. I you're I mean don't get me wrong. It's the winter. It's, it's a nice thing. I've never been like a, a Christmas movie goer, so to speak, but like it's kind of given my family like a thing to do when we went to my dad's for Christmas last year. Um, yeah, uh, or year before last, I, I should say. Uh, the kids and my um my stepmom and, and wife went to go see episode seven i'd already seen it and so i stayed home with my dad and you know we went and and grabbed pizzas and stuff my nephew was driving from arizona to um uh, yeah salem you know to, to visit his family for christmas and whatnot and he stopped in at my dad's house when he was driving through and he went with us to to go uh grab pizzas and there's a bar there and and, and the three of us sat at the bar and drank beer and, and stuff while we we're waiting for our our order to come up and which is an opportunity that I've necessarily had with my nephew. Although my nephew drinks Coors Light. Oh man. So I'm sitting there drinking like real beer and he's drinking Coors Light and I'm like. Come, come to me, Padawan. Come on, kid. We shall learn. You know. Come on, kid.
0: Learn, learn. Okay. All right. Let's talk, let's talk about uh, video cards. Anything
1: that kind of movie kid. Yeah. No, the Kathleen Kennedy story. We didn't finish it actually. Okay. Fine. Um, so we know that Han Solo is happening. We know that episode nine is happening. What we don't know is what they're doing after episode nine. That is the decision that they're going to be making. Yep let
0: your rumor cycle begin kids we have no idea what it's going to be um i'm hoping boba
1: fett i'm hoping boba fett movie is 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 next up
0: yeah i don't know what's going to be the next thing but i don't see how we don't get a boba fett movie at some point soon yeah all right
1: now let's talk video cards yes so eddie and i in the last month and a half have both gotten new video cards that's right um, I was using a GTX 960, uh, four gig card from EVGA. What were you using prior to? Radeon
0: 6450, I believe. The
1: 6450. It's a
0: venerable beast of a card. Uh, it runs Minecraft only a little bit choppy.
1: Was it the fanless one that I gave you? Yeah. What were you running before that? That's what I'm going off of. What was your actual video So before
0: that, my video card died, and uh, I'm not making the Reebok money yet, so I, I, I couldn't replace it for a while. So the video card I was using before that was a NVIDIA GTX 560.
1: Okay, 560. Not a bad card.
0: No, it was actually a pretty good card. Um when I got the card, it was probably around the time that Skyrim was coming out. It had maybe been out for a few months at this point and uh specifically when I went looking for it, I I basically was just looking for something that could run that game reasonably well. It being a good example of like the type of game that was coming out at the time. And with Skyrim I got, you know, high settings. So Yeah maybe even ultra settings on that one and it ran great so uh that was pretty much a solid card like it didn't start to choke until i think the first game it started to choke on a little bit that i i tried to play was fallout 4 um right. and then i had to start turning down settings and stuff like that and so uh, it it died you know shortly after i started that game and i hadn't really gotten to touch it since and you know 4 or 5 months later i i finally could upgrade pay, get a new card and uh, this time around i got the 1060
1: so okay so here's the thing um eddie got aboard with the nvidia chipset before i did i've kind of always been a radeon guy and the reason for that was that um i had a radeon card way way back in the day like the first uh pc i ever built had a radeon card and it was a radeon all-in-wonder card i had an all-in-wonder too um and so that was what i knew and once you once you have a card that you're familiar with or a chipset that you're familiar with you kind of tend to stick with it, um, regardless of of whatever may be out there on the market and whatnot. Sometimes you do,
0: sometimes you don't. I I would say there's probably a lot of people with video cards that would go back and forth based on whatever was the best thing at the time. And this this one was kind of a tricky one for me, but uh, I think right now NVIDIA sort of has the leg up. So for me, it was kind of an easy choice to go back with NVIDIA again. Um,
1: Radeon, though, um, Radeon had the first chip, though, that was HDMI compliant with audio. Um, and that's the, that's the reason I stuck with on even post All in Wonder. Um, it wasn't until I became an IT guy, mm-hmm. which I've always kind of been, but now I get paid for it. Um, but one of the perks to be an, an IT guy is that you get pieces of hardware, uh, thrown at you every once in a while that you, you don't normally go out on a limb and buy if you're yeah. uh, an average consumer. Um, and so I started with, uh, With an Nvidia card, it was a 760, I think. Ti, maybe. Yeah. Uh, OC. (laughs) (laughs) Um, a three gig card. And that was, that was my first Nvidia card. And one of the things I noticed immediately is that the software support and, and when I mean support, I mean like the, the embedded software, like the GTA, um, the Nvidia experience app, um, heads and tails better than anything that you get from an AMD slash Radeon, uh, a chipset card like it's it's kind of like a little advisor and you don't have to use it it's not required to use it but it's really cool because what i like about it is like it'll just pop up in my system trying to be like hey there's a new driver for this card you want to yeah, download it i do like that
0: in fact that's the only thing I, I really really like about that there is actually i think in the uh geforce experience app like an optimizer like you can optimize games for the yep. card um, um, or, or, you know, um, optimize settings for your computer for particular games, which is kind of cool. Um, yeah, anyway, it, it's, it's not so much that. It's just that right now I think the performance is like a little bit better than uh, um, on the NVIDIA side. And it swings back and forth. It, it's yeah. very much a pendulum, uh, depending on what year you're talking about. Like I remember just a few years back, I, I want to say it was the R8 or something like that was pretty much dominating whatever NVIDIA was doing at the time. It's probably around the eight series cards.
1: Yeah. Um, I don't know because it kind of left Radeon at the point where I got the, where I got the 750. Um, just because I I really enjoyed the GeForce experience. Not to mention, like, I don't, I'm not a heavy, heavy gamer when it comes to things that require like a, a, a high frame rate things like that you know we talked about lego games earlier i play a lot of those because i'm an asshole and I'm, I'm, a, I'm a big completionist kind of a guy um although i do like tomb raider 2013 for example um or rise of the tomb raider i like those games quite a bit fallout 4 i like quite a bit um there's a lot of games that i that i enjoy again fallout 4 though another one of those games it's pretty massive but it's also very um objective oriented yeah and um, i'm a role-playing guy from the start if you if you give me a character and then say this is what your character is supposed to do i will go do that thing yeah <laughs> <laughs> um but then when it comes to lego games like i'm a, I'm a completionist like i will go do that thing but then i'm also going to go unlock this and i'm going to unlock that because i want to get as close to that 100 percent completion rate as i can um and some of these games are massive yeah for sure uh so that being said um I, I, I upgraded from the 750 to then I got a 4 gig, um, it, it's, it's an EVGA, um, 960 card is what I was using later on, um, which actually gave me quite a bit of, of, of advance. It's still 128 bit, uh, technology, um, on the, on the memory level, uh, but heads and tails better than my 750 was. Eddie got a hand me down Radeon for me.
0: A venerable card. It at least allowed me to run all my monitors, which was at the point all, your all, monitors, all, I, all I could hope for. At then you point, could play,
1: so. you could play Minecraft on it if you wanted to.
0: Yeah, in Windows when I when I Windows tabbed, you know, Task View, it was only a little stuttery. Right. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um. So then Eddie got a new video card about a month ago. Yeah, something like that. Um, and you got the 1060? I got an MSI GeForce 1060
0: DirectX 12s GTX 1060 Armor 6G. The the product names for these on
1: New Egg are pretty awesome.
0: was all i got to say. So,
1: yours is a 60 card. It is. Um, I I believe that was one of my recommendations. It definitely was. <laughs> um, and then, just this week, I upgraded mine. Um, I'm still on a 980. The difference, is, though, is that I got a 980 um what is it it's a classified edition kingpin card by evga which is a 256 bit card it's four gigs the goddamn thing is massive though i sent eddie a picture of it um on my leg it literally is is like the size of of my thigh (laughs) yeah the uh the,
0: the the card i got to the gtx 1060 from msi not much different. Like, um, it it was a little like, is this gonna fit in my case? You mm-hmm. know, like, and yeah. I don't have like some like micro ATX sort of setup. I I have a you know a pretty big ass, nothing compared to your guy, uh, but I have a pretty big ass you know um, um <laughs> regular ATX <laughs> what, a size
1: what? case. You talking about my pal here? Yeah,
0: I'm just saying that's a team lift sort of thing, right? Like, yeah. when when it comes time to move, uh, you get a friend, you help him carry it out. You know.
1: Yeah, it's just funny because I brought that card home the other day, and the wise old man was here. And like, you know, he he's seventy, fucking whatever, <laughs> seventy three <laughs> I think, and uh, or he'll be seventy three this year. And like I, like heft my case up onto the table here in front of us, and I'm I'm like taking components out and blowing things off and whatnot. And I'm he's looking at me like I'm half retarded. I think, but. <laughs> Yeah, it's just funny because, like, um, I don't
0: know. I think the, the, these cards look not unlike a shield helicarrier. Like, at any point, I, I expect that Iron Man's going to fly out of the side of one. Yeah.
1: yeah. Um, does yours have LEDs?
0: No, I don't think it does. Mine
1: mine definitely has LEDs. I'll have to show you before you leave because you can definitely see, see them through the window of of my case. Oh, and nice, but nice. I sent Eddie a picture of it on my leg, and I was just like, well, here's the good news. Like, if we buy the Cessna that we've been talking about for the show, like, we'll be able to just <laughs> land it right on my video card.
0: <laughs> yeah. I assume that if um, it, my my card gets hot enough or any either of our cards get hot enough and we spin off the fans, like we could set, you know, somebody on top of it and they could just like hover above, you know, from the, it'd be like one of those, uh, you know, like the, the, the parachute practice things. Yeah. Drinking a gas fan. Like, yeah. Um, if it weren't so hot already, um, you could probably cool yourself off with those things, but yeah.
1: Yeah. No, um the one thing that I did notice about my new card, and I'm sure you've noticed numerous things about you know what your new card can do compared to your old card um I went from a nine sixty to a nine eighty all right not a huge jump in mm-hmm. in terms of technology but like the huge the huge difference is like the difference between a hundred and twenty eight bit card and uh two fifty six um and I'm not gonna, talking about a titan like i'm I'm talking about a four gig two fifty six card like a titan is a 12 gig card or titan X specifically like it's a 12 gig card and it has like a seven sixty eight bit memory bandwidth on it like it's it's huge it's, like it's just it's yeah. fucking ridiculous um but one thing i did notice is i was talking to eddie like i was running tomb raider before we got here and i was getting a solid 50 frames per second on ultra settings and my card rose in temperature from 34 degrees c to about 62 degrees c i think is where it went to um still well within like acceptable range and stuff like that it didn't labor too much like i never i I didn't drop frames massively like like i did even on the on the 960 i dropped frames pretty massively um when i was running stuff on ultra settings yeah um i am getting some
0: frame drops uh, on certain games but i think that's more related to me being on the windows insider program than um the actual card because like if i I do it fresh off a reboot I, i get significantly less frame dropping yeah and, and like i'm I'm talking about like witcher 2 i was playing witcher 2 i've got settings cranked up on that and I, I was getting a lot of frame dropping but you know rebooting seemed to mostly solve the problem
1: yeah and and that's i when i texted eddie about the new card he was like fuck you you know kind of kind of a thing and i was like didn't you just get a 1060 he's like yeah but like i didn't buy like his words he's like i didn't buy like the high-end card like your card is is gonna be It's going to outperform certain cards, whereas my card runs middle of the pack kind of a thing. Mm -hmm. And I haven't necessarily noticed that.
0: I mean, we're kind of at a level where I think both cards are going to be pretty solid choices for most of the things you're going to want to do. And yeah. you're not going to really notice them until you get into like some really nerdy shit. Like, if you've never opened up a, you know, like, FPS, like, show me the stats of my card while I play this game sort of thing. You're not going to notice. You're not going to notice. And and so I, I'd say either one of us are probably going to be pretty happy with that because I have done that, but I don't do it often. Like, I'm not sitting there like, oh, f- fuck 45 what what the hell how am i supposed to play this game you know and uh throwing it out and trying to you know get a new one or something like that well
1: and neither one of us are playing like battlefield or anything like that where like and that's that's like the high-end cards and stuff like that when it when when people are talking about oh yeah my card my card will do 90 fps and blah 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 like they're talking you know when they're playing like battlefield or
0: um fps is i think the the um
1: it's, it's just the online first person stuff. shooters
0: in, in general, I think, are the ones where you really go heavy uh, uh, FPS, um, first person shooter frames per second. That's confusing. Yeah. Um, they, where they're you really kind of go, both the same thing, but. Yeah. Where you really go, I mean, I guess it's kind of analogous because uh, FPS, first person shooters, you want a lot of FPS frames per second. Um, so, so. that gives you that leg up yeah but the thing is here if if all you're looking for is fps you know like you can turn down the settings on the card a little bit and that doesn't really affect gameplay super much except for it doesn't look as pretty while you're playing um but yeah either of our cards i think are going to do pretty admirably on anything you know you can throw at it right now so um maybe you can't go to ultra on whatever um but they're gonna they're gonna be a good gaming experience and certainly fantastically better than um whatever you're getting on xplex xbox, xbox or playstation 4 which is what most everybody's playing on so
1: yeah and i mean the reality of the situation is like it doesn't matter what video card that i have in my system like i'm gonna look at it and i'm gonna be like well lego batman still looks good
0: yep same here i was like elite dangerous uh we've <laughs> games have been out for years now but um still looks good on my rig so whatever
1: yeah i'm like well i could still play doom you know, yeah. old school Doom. <laughs> Wolfenstein. Wolfenstein. You gotta run 3D. it in a DOS
0: box, but yeah, it's fine. Yeah. Wolfenstein, I, I did just buy on a Steam sale, I think it was six bucks Wolfenstein new order. Good game so far. Like it.
1: I've I've not played it. I when they did the Star Wars week, I almost bought the Dark Forces pack. Oh. Just oh. because it's like I remember when that came out, I'm like dark forces and like my buddy was like yeah it's a doom clone and i'm like a doom clone huh dark forces and then i got it and i was like it's so much more than a doom clone like yeah it's, it's yeah. so cool i had the same kind of reaction to that too like there's dark troopers and all that kind of stuff i, but.
0: I will say though you're going to be a little disappointed because how you remember games is not necessarily how they are like no, i remember I know, I know the first time i went back and tried to play Ocarina uh because um, i have a i have a very vivid recollection of that game and when i went back and played tried to play ocarina it it's literally like a, a thing a kid my kid drew for me you know like
1: some of those games like final fantasy VII, near and dear to my heart has been for a long time but i go back and try and replay it now i'm just like why is everything so polygony yeah yeah all right so,
0: so we're we're approaching the 2 hour mark here um, I'm gonna skip through a couple of items here. We put in the show notes that you're gonna want to watch. That I don't think we're gonna have a lot to discuss about anyway. We're gonna talk a little bit about the Flash finales and the Arrow finale, and then we're gonna hit our classic match and a little bit of coverage from. Uh, um, I don't know if I can even fucking remember Backlash because it was gonna, kind of a shit paper. Film, are you
1: gonna talk? What? Well, that's actually the only reason I put that in there is just so yeah. we can talk a little bit of reaction. But yeah, okay. you can talk about Game of Thrones.
0: Yeah, so Game of Thrones season, season seven trailer. It's in there. Um, you should go watch it matt I don't know that necessarily you should watch it because just the fact that the trailer exists is a spoiler um, so if you're really spoiler sensitive I'm not gonna it,
1: watch but. it but here's the thing like I have um i I told you earlier i'm 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 getting caught up on Gotham yeah um i'm I'm gonna finish that show here's the thing I really like Gotham I do I just didn't have time to watch it throughout the rest of the season with all the other shows that I've been watching and whatnot yeah and I kind of feel guilty right now because Gotham is actually one of the better written shows that's out there um in terms of network TV. And uh I, I I feel like I owe it to myself to finish that show before I start, but I think this summer is what I've planned on doing is is really make it a concerted effort to watch Game of Thrones. Yeah. So I'm gonna do that. Um we do have some sports news this week,
0: also. We do. This is very important, actually. A thing happened in in, in Major League Baseball.
1: They they have inducted an individual um, into the uh, Baseball Hall of Fame uh, specifically for his contributions on and off the fields. Ladies and gentlemen, Homer J. Simpson is now officially in the Baseball Hall of Fame. Woohoo! not <laughs> oh! oh, yeah, yeah. That's a wrong quote. No, um, I, I enjoy, I enjoy, um, the fact that this happened. Um, and it, 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 it brings levity. Here's the thing though. Homer Simpson is in the, is in the Hall of Fame. Pete Rose is not. So God. guys, oh God, guys,
0: get your shit together, humility. Fix this. Even I know that's terrible.
1: Fix this, guys. Uh, fix it doesn't matter it. Yeah. about the gambling because, um, whether or not he gambled has no impact on the fact that he has well over 4,000 hits in his career. Yeah. So, uh, anyway. That's all I'm gonna. Um, I'm I'm gonna soapbox on that because I can go on for days and uh, don't want to bore Eddie.
0: It's a fi- Yeah, we can't make a five-hour show. Yeah. Um, let's talk about TV
1: finales this week. The Flash. Yes, let's. The
0: Flash had a finale. It did. Uh, uh, uh and, and it was okay.
1: Here, here's the thing for me. The Flash finale started out with a bang because, and spoilers. Okay, literal bang. Almost. Gonna 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 state right now. Spoilers. If you haven't watch the flash and you're worried about me spoiling it uh pause the show go watch the hour-long finale it's fine we'll wait okay good you're done um here's the thing i did not see the iris angle coming like i really didn't with hr instead of iris like that took me by surprise and any time a show can do that to me i'm like Okay. We're on the same wave. Like, so, this is awesome. Like,
0: yeah. Number one, nobody ever thought for a second, I think that Iris was really going to die. And so that's one of the things that actually is a little bit annoying about the season is the, like, they set it up and it's like, the stakes have never been greater. And it's like, yeah, but they have because nobody for a second thought that Iris is going to die. Um, and so, uh, I like how they accomplished this though, because it still had meaning. Um, sort of when I say sort of, it's like they killed HR.
1: Nobody wants to see a, a, a Tom Cavanaugh character die, though. That's, yeah. that's kind of so, the thing.
0: Wh- wh- I mean, it, using HR as the, sort of the standard, I thought that was pretty clever how they did that. They killed HR. Um, and, and at first I'm like, oh, but Tom Cavanaugh. And it's like, oh, no, fucking Tom Cavanaugh has been like eight characters. He'll just be, he'll come back next season and play like one of the rockets or something. He'll be the dog.
1: Yeah um the they, the the flash dog
0: like i'm i'm not even really worried at this point about how they're going to bring tom Kavanaugh back it it's just clear they're going to bring him back uh so whatever uh the the only question now is are they going to go with a, like another new like new doppelganger earth sort of scenario or the do they just make up a reason for uh we Harrison? have regular
1: wells come back cuz he did I, I, I
0: do think we that's the way we get Harry, the, the finale the
1: finale when when uh and and we'll talk about the the actual end of the show uh, but before Barry left, he he asked HR, or not HR, but Wells specifically, you know, can you stick around for a while? And he's like, Yeah, for you, I'll I'll do anything. So
0: Which is gonna be cool if they do that because isn't that gonna be
1: weird for fucking
0: um uh what's her name? Cutthroat Bitch. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's gonna be weird
1: for her. Um which it already was. Um here's here okay, so here's a couple things that bother me. Um, spoilers, they defeat Savitar. Yeah. Right? Only they defeat Savitar and Savitar doesn't quite go away yet. Because the paradox hasn't caught up to him. Yeah, but my problem with this is, is the memories catch up to him,
0: right? There's a lot of things that bother bother me about this, like the, the time temporal travel-
1: mechanics themselves irritate the shit out of me in this episode. So the memories catch up to him, but the paradox doesn't. All right, that already doesn't sit well with me. And then there's the whole thing about releasing Jay from the um, the the Speed Force prison. Yeah, right. So they defeat paradox. Or uh Savitar, the Paradox finally catches up with him, and then all of a sudden there's this giant fucking electrical storm happening over Central City. Barry has to sacrifice himself and go to the prison because it's hungry. It needs somebody. There's like you can't take somebody out without having somebody in there. All right. But the whole reason that prison exists is because of Savitar. And if there's no Savitar, if he never existed, which is what the Paradox said, um, then there's no prison. But for some reason, there's still a prison, and yeah, blah, blah, blah. Just
0: time travel here. Like, the, 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 uh, gif I sent you, I think I've seen that floating around for a long time, and it's the, the, the gif. It's a speed, it says speed force. I ain't gotta explain, explain shit, you know, like, yeah. and that's ex- essentially the thing. And that's ex- essentially what the writers are doing. And I really had hoped the Flash TV writers were gonna do a little bit better than this, but at this point, we are getting to the level of like, well, speed force, you know, like, uh, well, that doesn't really make sense, in the writers nope. just go, speed force, speed force, speed force, speed force. Um, what's but what if n- speed force? Uh, so uh, I'm getting a little annoyed with how they're using that, and I hope that when we ter- come around to the next season, they do a little bit better job of that.
1: Well, we do have um, early, early, early bird warnings saying not warnings necessarily, but early bird saying there's no speedster villain next season. So I mean, hopefully point, the speed force is they kind of kind of have to not
0: do a speed force villain at least for a season. It's going to be interesting figuring out how they do a good villain cuz they've they've really kind of run the gamut of the rogues uh, um and the typical speed uh, uh, flash villains at this point. So um I'm interested to see how they handle that because I don't know. There's, there's a lot of different directions they can go. I'm glad to see that they're not going to do a Speed Force villain. Um, but the the thing here is that the writing this season has been kind of weak. It, and it wasn't really a whole lot better in the final
1: episode. Not so. as ironclad as it's been in the past. And, and honestly, here's the thing. I don't even know that the writing has been worse than seasons past. Uh, but what I do know is that Arrow in particular has stepped up its game. Uh, it's segue. And I'm not even trying to segue yet. Um, I'm just, but, but I, I don't know that we can really talk about the Flash, um, any more than we have. Um, Iris didn't die. HR did. Um, Earth 2, 3. Is it, uh, which, whichever, no, Earth, Earth two. 2, Earth 2 Wells is still around. Um, and, and, and it's probably sticking around for a while. I didn't like the temporal mechanic pieces of it, which is, you know yeah.
0: the whole premise is a little bit annoying to me like that they went with like uh,
1: uh i pick apart back to the future all the time for the same thing though it's like and, and i don't even see back to the future actually did a much better job with not like, two, time though. mechanics two two is the part that bothers me yeah. with, with some of the things that happened but um because old Biff never would have been able to return to the same future yeah. to return the See, car. That's, a, that's the biggest thing. There's but.
0: different time tra- travel theories, like, and this is what bothers me about the flashes, because they kind of fuck it up within their own universe. Like, there's this theory that time is sort of a thing that cascades down. And so, like, you could have that and make Back to the Future 2 work, and, and as long as you're consistent, whatever. Uh, but, or, or there's the thing that uh, time is instant. So, for example, if you change something in the past, uh, instantly, Savitar has those memories and it, you know move on from there. Um, so, what bothers? But there's me- also
1: the Terminator philosophy when it comes to time travel, which is if you remember that it happened, it happened, and it doesn't matter if we change events in history. Like to you, it still happened. Yeah. And but but this is just kind of like um, it's a lot like the rules in WWE, like there are rules but they only apply in so much as uh if it helps the story progress then they apply but if it interferes with the story progressing then we're just going to ignore yeah, it yeah
0: so that's the thing that bothers me about the writing of this episode and the and the season is that um it does not stay consistent pick a set of rules and stick with them and then make a story around that. Uh, uh, or, you know, make your story so that it's not dependent on the the, the sort of, you know, temporal mechanic rules lawyering uh, and uh, everything would be better. So anyway, summary for the Flash finale, um, you get your time travel shit straight because the, at this point it's getting a little old.
1: The the, the episode of the Flash, um, I think it was the, the immediate, um, the episode that preceded this one uh, where they brought Snart. Back where he went back in time and grabbed Snart from the Legends group and, and made him yeah. do the heist. That episode, I, I, number one, I enjoyed because I, I honestly, um, really like, uh, Wentworth. Uh, Wentworth. Wentworth, yeah. Wentworth Miller. Uh, but, but I'm, I'm talking to my wife and I'm like, isn't going back in time and doing things exactly why everything's so <laughs> fucked now in the first place? You know, and and I thought they weren't going to acknowledge it, but then they're like, "Here's Snart," and like, uh, Joe was like, "Isn't Snart with the Legends?" And like Cisco's like, "Isn't Snart fucking dead?" Yeah. and like, they're like, Barry, yeah. all right, hold out your hand, you know,
0: <laughs> stop fucking with the timeline, Barry. Yeah, um, all right, let's talk Arrow. Arrow, let's, I guess, let's man. Um, so I cannot honestly believe. I think I know where we're going to go with this discussion, and I cannot honestly believe we're going to talk about this the way that we are, given how we talked about the season four finale, which Matt didn't even see until like three months after it came out no. because the season was so fucking terrible. I didn't terrible. watch it until
1: the, until the new season started almost. like It was like a week before the new season started. Yeah, so.
0: yeah. and so uh, here we are, both caught up. We both watched the finale, I think, uh, as it aired. Um,
1: I'm actually, I, I'm proud to say I'm officially done. I, I've watched all of the CW superhero shows now. Yeah,
0: like, I'm caught up on legends. The only one I'm behind on still is Supergirl. You should watch it. I'm I'll just get, saying I'll that I'm not, it, I'm, not gonna, I'm not, gonna, I'm not going
1: to, I'm not going to pressure you, but you should watch it. It's good. There's good things that happen. Okay.
0: So. so, um, th- th- that's a good state or encapsulation. Uh, we have season four, which is without a doubt so far, the low point of the, the series and the finale in particular, uh, as bad as most of season four was, the finale was definitely the bottom end. Uh, um, and now here we are at season five season five uh um pretty good overall there's only a couple of real pain points in the season and but just generally speaking we're back into fit form <laughs> the
1: oliver and felicity stuck in the bunker episode was pretty dreadful uh, yeah. but that was like we ran out of story and we ran out of budget just do this
0: thing so we can get to the next episode yeah
1: and honestly given how the rest of the season has been so far like i can forgive that one episode
0: yeah um this finale though, man. I really like this finale. There's a lot of stuff that I think this finale did amazingly well. Um so anyway, that's that's the big bullet point. Uh I can't believe how different in 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 uh I how much better this finale is than the previous one and how I think that it actually holds up pretty well with say season uh 2 or even season 1. Uh,
1: uh, uh okay. So I'm going to preface it. I'm going to I'm going to give the spoiler warning again. Go watch it. Okay, we're back. You've seen it now. Um so we pick up all of Oliver's initial like core team kidnapped. Yep. Uh the last thing we see in the episode um immediately preceding the finale is him asking Slade Wilson for yep. help. Number 1 i'm super excited about this like slade wilson coming back into the fold like manu bennett specifically as slade wilson i'm just like we can't have enough of that really season two of arrow, of arrow is kind of my penultimate it is Arrow up until the season just the about anybody really else good. will agree with you um the entire slade wilson uh storyline though absolutely fucking fantastic uh and I love how they even address the fact that like Slade is just like yeah i'm gonna I'm gonna help you out at this point, and uh um, well,
0: they did give a little nod i don't I don't think they did a great job of this uh explaining this before, um but Slade went crazy a little bit because of the Mirakuru. yeah, and uh he says like it, it's run its course kid you know yeah, so like he's i'm he's not I'm not to, nuts at he's this point. not crazy um he's still not necessarily not morally bankrupt um. So we he haven't seen a actually lot of traditional Pretty fucking, slay.
1: pretty fucking altruistic, like at the beginning. Yeah. Cause he's just like, Hey, I'm, uh, cause all he's like, here's the deal. I want you to do this. And he's like, the fact that you're asking me for help after I killed your fucking mom in front of you, you know, and then he's yeah. like, not only that, but like, you're going to help me find my kid. If I help you rescue yours, like, yeah, I'm in, like consider yeah. it done kind of a thing. Um, and, but then there's the captain boomerang aspect of it which i did not see coming and uh, that must be the cameo he was talking about because i didn't no, see that the cameo he was talking about was definitely moira was it moira
0: i we guarantee see moira? it yeah we did when was that i don't the even phone remember call oh the, the phone end. call yeah yeah, yeah. At, towards the end when he's having the okay. flashback yeah, yeah, yeah. i, I no, still i do I, I do remember that now i'm still not a super big fan of how they handled uh the flashback so of course in episode one um actually this may be brilliant it may be annoying but in episode one uh the the show opens up with all sort of running through the jungle on leon yu he's got a beard and um looking really scra- scraggly he he looks like he's you know uh doing his best tom hanks castaway impression etc and so on and you know gets off the island and so we've we, gone- we actually
1: saw pieces of the very first episode of era
0: yeah. So we we're now getting to um season 5 and we've set up a situation in which that can't be the case. Like he cannot have the you know the the full scraggly beard. And so what happens is you know they give him the kit and uh, the, the makeup kit and stuff like that so he can get that all set up. So I'm not sure I like that, but on the other hand it's a little bit brilliant because that season 1, you know, thing looks like uh makeup essentially. And so in this case it's a little bit smart that they did it that way. Um so <laughs>
1: which in hollywood speak is like here's the deal we didn't really have a budget we did yeah. this kind of yeah. thing it kind of was, was like, like shit dollars. but now we're gonna MacGuffin it right we, in we, we shaved a
0: cat and just glued it to his
1: face yeah at least it wasn't yak pubic hair like the rock had to wear in the hercules movie <laughs> that's a good point the rock literally had yak pubes on his face during that movie
0: i'd like to know whose idea you know what the great
1: Yak cubes. You ever seen a yak's balls? Yeah. <laughs> Just look at those. Glorious. Can you smell what the Yak balls are cooking? Yeah. Trim that shit up. Let's
0: put that on the rock. Um Yeah, yeah. okay. So that's that anyway, the the short of it is, um this this episode was mostly great. Like they finally had a meeting villain, uh um, especially after Damien Dark, who was entirely wasted, I think. Um they had which actually
1: <laughs> Damien Dark was so much
0: better on Legends. Oh, I was just going to say, like, the only thing that good that came of Damian Dark on Arrow was that he went on to do Legends.
1: Merlin, same thing with Malcolm Merlin early this last season. I mean, like, he really, really on Legends was able See, to kind of stand out.
0: Merlin's story really should have ended with, like, season one. And the only real uh uh good thing that came out of extending it was his relationship with Thea. But everything else was pretty much. I like, like
1: the Razagul aspect a little bit. Yeah. Right. It was it was during one of Arrow's weaker times though, so I can kind of see how anybody would look over that and just like wish it didn't happen. So I'm Yeah, I don't get know. That, I,
0: but, I'm not I'm not a big fan.
1: Uh I I'm I'm never gonna John Berman is, is kinda like Tom Cavanaugh in that like I'm really not gonna have much objection to him coming back. Yeah. yeah. Oh, no matter what he does. Yeah, so we were texting about this,
0: um Behrman, um he he takes he takes the hit for Thea. Uh, Thea, we're yeah. walking through the island. Thea steps on the landmine. John Barrowman says, okay, what we've got to do is blah, blah, blah. And then he's just like, nope, fuck it, and shoves her off the landmine, even as she's being a total shit. Um, uh, well, when I say total shit, I mean, like, she's not really in love with her murderous psycho father.
1: Yeah. Like, she's like, no, you're not going to use this as a way to fucking convince me that you're a good dude kind of a thing. Yeah.
0: And then he just shoves her off the landmine, takes her place and seemingly dies Um, which
1: as fucked up as malcolm merlin is right like it doesn't matter how fucked he is as a person like you really still get the impression that like it doesn't matter to him if he lives or dies as long as Thea, yeah is 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 safe um which is kind of one of those things because even the same thing same thing could be said for moira um season was it yeah season two like when when as because it was kind of brought out the end of season one that she was plotting the the whole thing with the glades and whatnot yeah a little bit uh she's a fucked up person but she still legitimately cares for her kids and whatnot and i think that's a really good um uh kind of metaphor for the whole series really like uh malcolm merlin same thing like he's fucked up but like thea is his kid and he's always known it and he's always kind of felt that that paternal instinct when it when it comes to her yeah um but yeah, no this this season was it was heartbreaking. But at the same time, like I can see how they can very easily bring him back into the fold at some point if they want to. Well, I mean, it's an on-screen death,
0: off-screen, off screen.
1: off-screen death, yeah.
0: off-screen deaths for all intents and purposes may not exist because, especially with comic book properties, like we already know, comic books are famous for bringing back characters who are super dead. Uh, Barry Allen probably being one of the most notable examples of a character who came back after a certain death. Um, so. I'm not really worried about the uh, possibility of him returning. Obviously, we've already you know talked about it previously in the show that he said he's not he's he's done with the Arrowverse for now, which it, at the very least means he's not planning to come back. You know, this next season, like you won't
1: see him in the 2017 2018 season. But like, yeah. here's here's the thing: like when the when the group of uh, of Chase's men show up and they're just like blah blah blah, and he's like, well, let me show you. Like, it goes from that, and then there's a several second pause, Yeah, you know, before you even get to Thea and uh, Felicity as they're making their way back to the plane or whatever, before you see the explosion. So, and, I mean, if you're the leader of the League of Assassins or League of Shadows or whatever you want to call it, like, that's a lot of time. That's plenty of time to to do whatever you need to do to not die. There's
0: zero reason that we need to believe he's dead dead. Yeah. Um, so that was a big moment in the thing. Um, I guess the biggest thing here is uh, Chase. Chase is just such a good villain. Um, Chase, Chase coming to the end, the ending of this show. Holy shit! Is Ollie's kid going to need some uh, therapy? <laughs> that's
1: that's that's the funny, the, like the most tongue and cheek slash ironic piece to the whole thing is Chase's speech. Okay, so I'm going to preface this: the the entire fucking island. Is, is rigged with explosives, and the dead man switch is chased. So if he dies, the whole the whole fucking island goes up, right? So all he knows he's not he's not going to kill this guy. Shoots him in the leg with the arrow to get his kid out of his yeah, clutches, and he's already
0: decided that. Like that, that's another interesting thing here is um, the whole I, I guess. The, the the growth of Ollie over this whole season is really about whether or not he's a killer. In season one, obviously, he's a brutal fucking murderer. At some point uh, during season three and four, he decides he's not going to be that killer anymore. Right. He's going to be a hero. Chase and-
1: Chase's big plan is to get Ollie to reveal to the world that he is a killer that enjoys killing. And Ollie comes to the decision on his own that he's not going to play that game anymore. And then it doesn't matter what he's done in the past. Like all that matters is who he is as a person now. And he's not the killing type. Yeah. And, um, but, but like Chase's speech, even at the end, even after Oliver has the kid, uh, William, right? Yeah. I think so. Yeah. Even after he has William, like he's like, your kid's going to be fine. He's young. Like he's going to pull through this, even though your friends are dead. And all he's like, what? And then like Chase blows his fucking head off. Did you catch
0: that he used? The same, if not the same gun, definitely meant to draw symbolism to the gun that, uh, Robert Queen used in episode one.
1: No, I did not.
0: I, cause I didn't go back and rewatch. Very, anything. if nothing else, very, very similar. Uh, I, I saw
1: it on a Reddit thread, so don't, don't mistake this genius for my own, but yeah, yeah, yeah. You might as well tell me you read it on Tumblr. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, no, the, um, but just just the the entire thing is like no, he's gonna be fine. Except for the fact that he just witnessed you fucking blow your brains out. Like yeah, so no, he's messed up. He's been
0: he's been a kidnap victim. He's you know all these things that have gone on. That, that, no, the kid's gonna be he, fucked up.
1: His goddamn dad is the Green Arrow, yeah. which he's finding out right now. Why why can't you be my
0: father? Well, because you're the Green Arrow. Okay. Yeah. yeah. No, this kid this kid's therapy bills like he needs to get back to Queen Consolidated because he's gonna need that money just to pay for this kid's therapy. Yeah.
1: Yeah. No, um this episode I thought was really, really well done. Um there was one scene in particular that I was just like, God damn it. And that was the part where Felicity kissed him before she was like taken off.
0: Yeah, see, and um I don't know. And how that, I that
1: scene wouldn't have bothered me if it wasn't for all of season four.
0: Yeah, that's the thing. Like, at this point, I'm just kind of, like, triggered, you know, like, because I, yeah. I, I don't really want any more Felicity Oliver drama, and it's not because I don't think that there's any reason why they can't be together as characters, or that would necessarily be bad storytelling. It's just because so much of season four was bad storytelling, in which you take the superhero and, and pair it around stupid... You neutered it. Relationship like, drama bullshit.
1: You essentially neuter Oliver Queen yeah, in so, telling the story, and, and it didn't have to be like
0: that. When I watched that, I was like no don't fucking do that again like just let it die there's no like you cannot redeem this relationship at this point because you fucking killed it at this point so just
1: please stop and and there's there's ways you can tell the story without fucking everything up how many years has clark loved lois without it really being like yeah for sure you know so you've got that um but (laughs) yeah that that one scene in particular and and here's my thing like Ultimately, Chase blows his head on own head off, so the island blows up while Ollie's friends are presumably on it. <sighs> this is hard, because Eddie and I are both pretty sure nobody's dead. I'm kind of on the page that if anybody's dead, it's Thea, just because she played such a small role toward the end of the season that like, it, it, it might be easy to write her off at this point. And it would be probably one of the most impactful deaths. Yeah, and I don't um, necessarily want to see that. Um, I, I
0: don't, uh, but you know, really, I don't necessarily think anybody's dead. I think that they're going to come out with a season Malcolm, one.
1: Malcolm, they're going to say is dead.
0: Malcolm, Malcolm, the show will at least assume he's dead for so, so long. Um, we, again, I, I don't think that means anything. I think you can come back and just say, well, we, you know, cause they already presume he's dead before any of this actually happens um, just based on the circumstances. Um, but everybody else, I think is probably going to make it out. Okay uh so it's going to be kind of a I don't know it depends on how they do it but i could see myself being a little annoyed and and if you know first four minutes is season or uh season are we five now season six episode It'll one be season six yeah is is like uh, uh well everybody's fine turns out they hid in a fridge
1: yeah that's the thing we don't want that like we don't want the indiana jones and the crystal skull nobody nobody did to the problem um you know Felicity and Curtis are going to figure something out. I'm actually and, and I talked to Bailey about this the other day. Bailey Bailey he his his strongest opinion is that Slade took them back to the bunker where he was kept prisoner because the bunker would have been bunkered.
0: That's a good theory actually. So um, something something like that I just I I think there's about zero chance that everybody dies.
1: Yeah. Yeah, no cuz that that bunker would have been fortified anyway. So um yeah, I'm just
0: saying, like, however they're definite, whatever they do, there's like no chance that everybody dies. I do think that there's a possibility that somebody dies. Um, but no way.
1: I don't I don't want it to be one of those things where like Flood is like, well yeah, Curtis just took my spinal implant out and he put it in the plane and it worked. Yeah. You know? Goddamn. <laughs> <Well>, like... <laughs> Alright. So uh there's that. Um This is gonna show sound like a show closing. It's not. I just um, this is one of those situations where if you watched the Arrow finale, um, uh, and you want to tell us what you thought of it or how you think that the, the team, team Arrow was going to pull through out of it, um, write us an email, you know, send it to questions at co. we'll read it. We'll talk about it on the air, whatever you want to like, yeah, just at this point, we're kind of open to how things are going to progress and we want your opinions on that yeah. too.
0: Yep. All right, so last up for the show tonight, we're going to talk some wrestling. Uh, we got WWE, uh, WWE's SmackDown Live Backlash review.
1: It's not going to be a full review. It's just no. going to be us talking about... In fact,
0: Jinder Mahal won the title. The end. Yeah. And, and Randy Orton dropped one of the Singh brothers on, on his head. It was hilarious. <laughs> Mostly because of the face Orton made when he totally broke kayfabe. Uh, that's it. That's everything that happened in the pay-per-view. I don't care about the rest of it.
1: I honestly, um, yeah, there was a couple good moments in the pay-per-view. For the most part, though, it, this was a pretty forgettable pay-per-view. Um, AJ Styles, he had a match. He did. It was good.
0: That's what I remember. Not, uh, nothing special.
1: AJ Styles had a match that was good. And also the fashion police had a match. Yeah,
0: Brazongo, Brizo- was- Brazongo. Actually, they got Brizongo over.
1: versus the Usos was a good match. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna tell you that right now. That this is that was the match of the night. Is that one? I'm going to
0: go ahead and say they, they got over pretty hard on this pay per view. Yeah. Um, I, I've heard lots of different stuff on social media. Um, Squared Circle, all about Brizongo right now. I've heard rumors that everybody's kind of clamoring for a Fashion Police t shirt. So uh, that that's the other notable point. Um, other than that, though, like Brizongo, Orton drops a guy on his head. Uh, uh, Jinder Mahal wins the title so that he can go be famous in India. That's it. That's the whole highlight <laughs> of the AJ fought. Um, I don't even fucking remember
1: whatever AJ fought somebody <laughs> probably it was a good match i remember that like it's the aj styles that... what did you expect oh it was aj uh owens it was aj kevin owens for the uh united states title i think i think you're right yeah no that was that i like that match um Bale and i talked about this the other day and how and i haven't watched raw in a few weeks so i, I might not be right about this but um I was looking at the pay per view schedule and I noticed that Money in the Bank is specifically going to be a SmackDown pay per view. Interesting. Um and Bailey was like, Oh, that's bullshit, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, Well, you can't have Money in the Bank be a raw pay per view because Brock Lesnar's the champion, and the whole idea behind Money in the Bank is that you can cash it in anytime, anywhere for a shot at the title. But if Brock Lesnar's never there, that <laughs> doesn't really work.
0: Not very not a very good, yeah.
1: So there's that, um, but then we were talking about, um, how at this point, the intercontinental title should be the primary focus of Raw since, since Brock isn't there, right? It should be being treated like, like it's a big deal. And yet SmackDown, who has the world championship, the world heavyweight championship belt, they also have the United States belt. They're treating the United States, uh, the United States belt almost or not even almost. They're treating it as though it's just as important as the world heavyweight belt. AJ Styles versus are, Kevin yeah. Owens. And then you got Jinder Mahal versus, uh, Randy Orton. And honestly, one of those matches was better than the other. I'll leave that up to you to decide. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, uh, it, it seems funny to me that the, that the brand that actually has a title that can be defended weekly if needed. Uh, is still treating, like, one of the lower belts as though it's it's equally significant. Um, and that's good. That's good for business. I mean, obviously, you want the United States belt to be important. You want the Intercontinental belt to be important. Um, it's just one brand is doing it better than the other. Yeah. So. All right. That's 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 our review of Backlash. It was pretty forgettable. It was
0: a thing that happened. Let's talk about another thing that happened though. This is a good thing. Um Stone
1: Cold Steve Austin versus the Rock. I will I will I will I will, I will interrupt you just long enough to say that the most significant thing that's come out of the Backlash pay per view so far is that Bailey left two beer bottles on my back patio and my wife is still bitching about it because they are still there. <laughs> rookie move, Mr. Bailey rookie yes. move. So. Um,
0: Alright, so the last last thing we're going to talk about before the, we end the show is going to be Stone Cold Steve Austin versus The Rocket Wrestlemania 17.
1: Uh, I picked this match in particular because it's coming up pretty close in the watch through that I've been doing since the network debuted, which is I've been watching every Raw and every Smackdown as well as the pay-per-views um, leading up like from the beginning of Monday Night Raw in 1993. Daunting task, I know, but somebody has to do it.
0: Thank you for sacrificing for the team.
1: Um, I am currently in my watch through. I just finished Armageddon 2000, which was in December of 2000, as well as the raw and the Smackdown that happened immediately after, uh, WrestleMania 17, um, where this the, the stone cold versus the rock match that we're going to talk about happened is about three and a half months away from where I'm at continuity wise. Uh, also big match. It's kind of continuity. uh, I like, it's one of the bigger matches that's happened. Um, we've talked about some things that have happened later on, um, in particular the Kurt Angle versus Benoit match that we watched uh, a few months ago or a couple months ago, and that was specifically just because Ben or um, Angle was being inducted into the Hall of Fame in a way. I I wanted to pick like one of the absolute best Angle matches that I could find. Yeah. Um, but I'm trying to kind of go in order. Besides that kind of a thing, um, and this match was was coming up pretty close to things we've talked about in the past. This was significant for a couple of reasons. Number one, Eddie and I watched it and both of us immediately started talking about how much different the product was in 2001 versus what we have these days. Um, and we attributed that to the fact that the guys that we have right now currently are able in the ring physically, like they're, they, they, they can perform.
0: Yeah. In fact, I'll go even further and say that the guys that we have right now maybe are a little bit better in the ring in some regards. Like you, um, the, the we, I think I said very specifically, like Cena gets criticized for only knowing five moves. And, uh, that's not true. Cena is actually pretty good. Um, but it, when we talk about The Rock, when we talk about Stone Cold Steve Austin, these guys are not huge. They don't have a huge number of moves to their set. They're, it, they're not
1: quote unquote technical wrestlers
0: yeah and it's not like they're doing amazing uh things in the ring either um the moves that they that each one of them have are um you know most of them i think matt and i could probably perform Well uh, what, what the... we, we wouldn't sell it as well yeah. and we wouldn't probably <laughs> nail it the way that they do um uh, but but they're not difficult moves either so i think from a technical you know like how who wrestles better today's day has probably got that a little bit more down um but I will say the smaller move set and the the difference in wrestling means that um, when The Rock throws a punch, it hits harder. Like it just feels better um, when they do something like a spine buster, wh- which both of the guys did. We saw multiple spine busters during the match they just look better than than the current product does um they they're just tighter they're just more precise they look more impactful you know whatever the case is it it tends to be that way with pretty much all the moves that that we were watching tonight so
1: so there's a couple things here um number one the rock and stone cold have always kind of had that chemistry in the ring um where they're they can feed off of one another pretty easily the other thing too that we talked about though is that even though the the guys that we have in the ring these days are technically maybe more proficient than than what we had in the attitude era um the reason the rock and stone cold were so over and when i say over i mean like uh, fans like them fans like them a lot the reason they're so over is because they understand the characters they're portraying like they like they build that into their persona like there's no question that when the rock comes out it's the rock there's no question when stone cold comes out it's a stone cold um, uh, Steve Austin, the the uh, of of legend. Um, they just they they have that that deep rooted understanding of who they are as a character, which enables them to tell a story quite a bit better than guys that may be physically able in the ring but don't have a connection to the audience. It doesn't matter if you're a Rock fan or a Stone Cold fan. Like the audience was connected to those guys in some way, no yeah. matter what. Um, and that's, that, that's a huge, huge benefit when you're in the ring trying to tell a story because obviously you're, um, by the, this is 2001 in 2001, the business was almost as exposed then as it is now. Like we, we knew at that point, um, through documentaries like beyond the mat or whatever that the outcome is predetermined. We know this, but we're asking people to, to suspend their disbelief for long enough to be entertained. These guys knew how to do that. Like they weren't trying to insult you. Like it, it it's like we've asked you to believe for just a little bit that this is a thing and we're going to make this as believable as possible for you. Whereas these days it's just like, well, you know it's not real, so whatever. Yeah, you know,
0: so the other thing that I'll say um, per- about this, we talked about this as we were watching the thing too. Um both of the guys are just way better on the mic than anybody today, like just in a different league. Um, Stone Cold Steve Austin steps to the mic. Uh, I never for a second stop believing that he's doing anything other than playing Stone Cold Steve Austin. Um, the Rock steps to the mic he just it sounds as natural as breathing like yeah. there's just never a bad like they don't do bad spots really you don't feel like they're acting you don't feel like they're acting they're so good at that uh, uh and i don't know what it is but definitely that is not the case for the current product the current product almost nobody is close to that
1: they're scripted right now they're so unbelievably fucking scripted that it's it's not even funny and um we've talked about this bailey and i have talked about this specifically um Roman Reigns for example. Yeah. He's so scripted that like it, you're 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 hamstringing him. Like he can't do a ton. Um there's been a couple occasions where Roman has been given like bullet points and just been made to like go out there and and kind of feel his way around with just those those bullet points and he's done phenomenally well in those situations. Um I part of the reason they there's they're so heavily scripted is is because it's control. It's yeah. so very easy to control your product when you do that. Um, the other piece too is investors. Like you know, it's uh, WWE as a public company is a lot different as an entity than WWE as a privately owned business by by Vince. Um, you have investors to answer for. Like if that's the whole reason for the PG rating that that they've been going for for the last several years, is you know you want to sell a product that as many investors as possible are willing to throw their money at. Um, I don't know that that's necessarily the right move, uh, for professional wrestling. Like you can call it sports entertainment, whatever, but to me, it's still pro wrestling. It it always will be. Um, and I, not to sound selfish, but I think I'm the audience that you're, you're going for. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it doesn't matter if, you know, Sally Sue down the street takes her kid to a, a live event because of, of of pg content on tv like you want you want people in the audience that are enthusiastic about the product not people that are there because their kid might like it yeah you know what i mean
0: yeah so this match in particular um man there's a lot of stuff that in here that they do really well like uh at this point in the product, we've got Stone Cold Steve Austin and The Rock, two with the most notable finishers of the day. We got the Stone Cold They're so over both of those yeah. guys. Ge- we got bo- the Rock bottom. Like- um, the fans absolutely have everybody. When I was going into this, I was like, "So is the Rock? Is the Rock a heel right now?" And he's like, "No, he's a face." Uh, uh, so we got the Rock and Austin basically to- wrestling face to both of them together.
1: Um, this is a hard match put together with most people but these two can pull it off
0: yeah they did an amazing job pulling it off and the 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 ring story was really good um we've got ton and tons of resilience from the rock um he kicked out at just about everything
1: um as it did Stone Cold, like, earlier on in the match when The Rock had the upper hand.
0: Yeah, we got each of the guys delivering each other's finishers, so The Rock uh, uh, gave a stunner. Um, Stone Cold gave a rock bottom, uh, um, which was, I think, a fun part of the match. Um, and then we got the biggest twist, one of the biggest this, twists.
1: This match was fun for me to watch because whereas I knew exactly where where this match was headed from, from the get-go... Uh, this happened during a time period when Eddie wasn't uh, watching the product at all. And so I, I kind of, I threw this in there uh, for my own benefit just because I knew where the match was going and I knew Eddie was going to. Yeah. So we've already got to mark out a little
0: um, bit. uh, St. Valentine's Day Massacre. We have Stone Cold Steve Austin versus Vince McMahon. Uh, Stone Cold and Vince having two of the biggest like relationships. Uh, And that was a big storyline for a long time. Stone Cold, is the anti-authoritarian, and Vince McMahon is the company, uh, and they go at it at over and over and over again. So when Vince McMahon comes out, I don't know what the fuck's going on, so I'm asking Matt, like, what's the storyline here? And he's like, uh, we don't know at this point. So Matt Matt already knows what happened, um, but he's like, at this point, nobody knows. So like, if you're watching this live, Vince McMahon's just coming out of the ring in you know somewhat, somewhat you know, Vinnie Mac for ring attire. No
1: he's already had a match with Shane. Yeah. It, and and
0: we don't know why that is. And so he, uh, the the first thing we see really is um, the rock has a pin on Austin and uh, um, Vinnie Mac comes over and pulls him off. And so that's the first big question mark is like, why in the fuck is he helping Austin? Why is he not, you know, why is he trying to hinder? Cause that's the other angle. It could be, why is he trying to hinder the rock? And so I'm like, look at him like, what's going on here? Did the rock, you know, fuck Stephanie last week or something like that. And uh, he's like, no, there, there isn't a reason yet. So, um, and then we get more interference from McMahon favoring Austin. And then at some point he gives Austin a chair. Austin
1: just straps says, Hey, Hit this guy with a chair.
0: Yeah. he. So we got Vinnie Mack um, hitting a prone uh, um, a rock with a chair. Uh, he still kicks out. And then uh, Vince hands the chair to Austin. Austin goes to town, finally gets the pin, picks up the win. And uh, everybody at this point is confused, especially me. Like, I hadn't been watching the product this time. Uh, Matt's given me no help. And so it, it's... For a reason, obviously. Yeah, yeah. So it, it turns out we get a heel turn here, and the heel turn is probably one of the least expected things. It's from Stone Cold Steve Austin. So um we know that can't last. Uh and I'm sure it didn't I I'm not caught up and I didn't watch, you know, this era. So I he I'd ran have to he guess. ran
1: heel for a little more than a year. Yeah. At this so point.
0: That sounds about right to me, but um I, I wouldn't expect too much longer than that, so Anyway, m- great match. I-, I loved the way that the they managed to take these two titans and put them together because this wasn't a match that happened very frequently. Uh, R- a Rock versus Austin match. It makes sense at a WrestleMania. I can't really remember many matches uh, um, with them.
1: Rock Austin happened, I believe, three or four times. Yeah, at WrestleMania, just alone. Wow. So, um, but it's it's one of the most beloved. Rivalries in the business. Um, Rock's retirement, or I mean, not Rock's retirement, uh, Austin's retirement match against The Rock was at WrestleMania in Seattle, um, when they did it at Safeco Field. So nice. Um, it, the heel turn to me specifically was, was relevant just because Austin from the time that, uh, they started building the Steve Austin character at WrestleMania 13 against Bret Hart where they did the double turn because he yeah. was heel before then. Um just his his entire career, just anti authority this, anti authority that, like everything he did was um it was it, the ever man, it was it was it was it was yeah, something that you could look at as as an employee of the man, so to speak, and be like, I would fucking love to do that to my boss at some point. There,
0: There's just not more. Uh, I'm not sure there's many better ways to
1: do a heel turn than this. And it didn't work. That's the thing we're not talking about right now. And, and, and you know, we'll get into this later on uh, in, in other episodes of the show and whatnot. But like the heel turn was not an effective move for Austin. And if you listen to his podcast these days, he'll even tell you like. There was that moment after he penned the rock. You know, when, when they were doing the handshake thing, he, he says to this day that Vince would have understood if he'd have called an audible and just did a stone cold stunner right there in the middle of the ring and just said, you know what? I did what I did to win the match. I don't have any allegiance to Vince McMahon. This is who I am. I'm the Texas Rattlesnake, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And, and, and would have maintained his status as, as a, uh, quote, babyface. Um, I would have say. I would I would more say anti-hero, like anti-authority yeah. anti-hero kind of a character, but um and he said in retrospect if he had it to do all over again, that's what he would have done. But that's not what he did and we we had the heel run that we had. It did spawn one of the greatest catchphrases ever, especially if you're um in the, a, a fan of being in the audience when that is the the what catchphrase cuz he did that for a while he would come out and do a heel promo. And then when, when whoever the baby face was would come out pretending to say something, he'd say what, you know, and, <laughs> and now the audience to this day still does it. If there's a pause, um, especially by a heel, if they're not delivering on the mic and, the, and they pause <laughs> long enough, the, the entire audience would be like, what,
0: you know, see that that's a good testament to stone cold though. Like he, he is really a talent like, uh, that he can, you know, run heel like that and still, you know, we, we get a say, catchphrase over, you know yeah get a catchphrase like that over uh even though maybe the heel run didn't get over as well as they had hoped it would which to be honest they had to have known that that wasn't going to
1: yeah it's uh, that's the lesson they learned from that like because people like there's there's certain factions of the audience to this day that are just like well turn cena heel and i'm just like well that's no no like, turning cena heel is never gonna work because he's not gonna stop doing make-a-wish You know what I mean? Like, that's never going to happen. And so, like, you look at the heel and it's like, oh, well, yeah, he just kicked this guy in the balls last night. But now he's signing, you know. (laughs) Yeah. Signing jerseys for cancer patients. We're we're at this know? odd
0: point where like in, in kayfabe out of but like there's too much blur, and so you, number one, Cena's too much of a good guy in real life. But number two, uh, I just I don't see how you can meaningfully meaningfully turn him heel and have it work out at all. Yeah, we had the guy to propose to his wife at WrestleMania last year. There's no fucking way that's, the guy like that
1: pro- turns heel. That's that's part of what's re- what's wrong with business these days. Like Bray Wyatt, right? Bray Wyatt is is the guy that they're like, "Oh, he's the next Undertaker." Like that's kind of how they're portraying him. But you know what? Bray Wyatt posts pictures of himself taking photos, like selfies with people at the Waffle House. <laughs> you know who didn't do that? The Undertaker. Yeah. No, there is no ex- next Undertaker.
0: Anyway, um uh, getting off the beaten path here. Do you want you got anything left about this particular match or
1: should we wrap it up? Uh, I don't have anything left to say about this match other than that it's a phenomenal fucking match.
0: It is. It it is a really amazing match to watch. And I think especially if you're a fan of the product today and you haven't watched it before, I would recommend it because it is a different sort of thing, uh, back then and there's a lot of strengths there, and I think there's a lot of strengths you'll see. We were talking about some of the things, uh, you know, like that during the actual show. But just in general, like I'd like to see them bring back some of the elements that they've lost this time around. So it's it's a long
1: ish match. Yeah. Um I found the checkbook that my wife's been missing for like a month. <laughs> and it's been right between the mixer and the record That's player. amazing. Anyway, um, it's a long-ish match. Eddie might have noticed during the match that I kept checking the time on it. Mm-hmm. Um, here's the thing. I wasn't checking the time on it because I was bored though. I was checking the time on it specifically because when I watch matches these days, when they start to draw, when, like, when they start to like get up there in time, it's it's noticeable, like I feel it. And like during this match, like I knew it was a longish match, but I kept checking the time because I'm like, well that, that must be a long like, match what, eight but minutes like, or something. But it's a yeah. good match, you know, and so I kept looking at the time to see how long the match was going on. It didn't feel like this match was too long. Yeah, no. It didn't. Like I'm a huge fan of Seth Rollins and Triple H, but their match at WrestleMania this year was too long. It should have been a six to eight minute match at at most. Yeah. Um, only because that's all that the story needed to progress. And instead Triple H had an eight minute entrance and then a 25 minute <laughs> match. Um, God. So anyway, that is what it is. Um, that's the wrestling talk for this week. We are going to talk a little bit more, um, next week, probably about the Hardys and the, and the potential broken, uh, gimmick. Yeah. Uh, just because there's been some, Uh, recent news uh, coming out of tna's camp actually about the the lawsuit things like that so uh, we'll talk about that next week Uh, not super important this week that's the show guys
0: yeah if you want to tell us about all the things you liked about this match as well or you want to get more details about where you can watch it you can go and hit us up on twitter at whatever show
1: we are on facebook at facebook.com slash whatever show
0: we already mentioned, but if you wanted to send us an email the old fashioned way we are questions at whatever dot c o and if you'd like to give us money to promote your shit, uh, we are at sponsors at whatever dot c o
1: definitely hit our Twitter up though twitter we're gonna see it like that's the thing about twitter is like
0: i just i kind of hate watch twitter at this point just like every day i open it up and to be like how how did donald trump fuck us today so there's a generally good chance that if you tweet at us i will see your message like in near real time
1: i actually have my notification set up so that if anything comes into the at whatever show account like i get a notification that says hey somebody did this so nice um yeah hit us up on twitter like we like twitter like we'll 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 probably talk to you and whatnot maybe you don't want that but you know
0: (laughs) but we will yeah well like that that one time you said hi to a person in in the ninth grade and they they followed you you everywhere you went until your senior year yeah all right guys that's the show we'll see you next week
1: later